You can't handle the truth. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself! <laughs> You're gonna need a bigger boat. Get away from her, you bitch! The first rule of Fight Club is, you do not talk about Fight Club. To infinity and beyond! Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Hi, and welcome to the Samuel and Manuel Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Sam Reimer. And I'm Manny Manuel. It's the day we've all been waiting for, folks. You're excited, I'm excited, I'm going to speak for my co-host and say he's excited. It is the top ten movies of 2018. Manny, how are you feeling? I am so excited. I've been thinking about this all day, uh, mostly because I'm very intrigued to hear what's on your list because I know that you haven't seen very many movies this year. I was even wondering if you had enough to make ten. Yeah, so as I was assembling my uh, my list of movies, my list of candidates for this list, I realized just how few 2018 movies I'd seen. There's, there was a big list. I, I guess I'll just read off the ones that I have glaring omissions for. Uh, I've not seen First Man, Creed 2, The New Mission Impossible, Crazy Rich Asians, If Beale Street Could Talk, Aquaman, Ready Player One, or Vice. Vice is the only one of those that is a Best Picture nominee, so I will be tackling that before the Oscars this coming Sunday. Uh, but yes, it is, uh, I had fewer to choose from this year than I did last year. That's what happens when you move out on your own for the first time, is you suddenly become very poor and unable to go to any movies. <laughs> but, uh, nonetheless, I am excited to talk about this. Uh, Manny, um, we, we neglected to talk about this off-air, but we kind of discussed this may have been a slightly weaker year for movies than, uh, than 2017 was. What do you think about that? Yeah, actually, that's perfect, because actually that's exactly where I wanted to go next. Um, I'm looking, I was looking over my list, uh, of movies that I've seen this year and there was a lot of very entertaining movies this year, but none that, uh, I shouldn't say none, but very few that really stood out. Looking back at last year, I can still remember our, my top three from last year and that's three billboards outside of Ebbing's Missouri, Blade Runner 2049 and Wind River. And all three of those, in my opinion, are miles ahead of everything I've seen this year. Yeah, um, my my top three last year, I remember I had Baby Driver in third, Wind River in second, and then three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri uh, in first. And I hadn't seen Blade Runner 2049 at the time. I have since. Uh, but that would probably be up there as well in one of those spots. But yeah, all all of those movies were phenomenal and arguably better than any movie that was made this year. Yeah, I, this movie is really, for me, I found... Like I said, very entertaining. Like I had a lot of fun with a lot of movies this year, but none that really resonated with me and none that really affected me as deeply as last year. Like last year's movies were really, really good and I look back at some of the movies that didn't even make my top ten list and they I think probably might have even been number one on this year's list. Um that's not to say that the these movies are bad. They're just I guess for me, again, like I said, these movies are just really entertaining. Just none that really, I think, are going to stick around long term um, in the upper echelon of, of film for me. But but that being said, um, the my number one movie of this year is one that I'm never going to forget. 
yeah i i tend to agree with that like that's not to say there were no good movies made this year like yeah. i'm i'm quite happy with this top 10 that i've composed but there's definitely more uh more criticism that i have in these movies i think last year when we did our top 10 i was just lavishing praise on most movies anyway in my top 10 this year there's there's some caveats that that come with uh some of the movies in this list especially spots like let's say 10 through 7 um but overall i am uh i am excited to get things going here and i'm curious to see what you have on your list before we do dive in uh why don't we let the people know where we can uh where we can be found on social media yeah you can like and follow us on facebook uh we're fairly active on there and uh, you can also uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sam underscore Manny underscore movie. And you can email us at sammannymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Beauty. So next on the itinerary that I do have. Just, yeah. Oh, just before we go. <laughs> oh, okay, uh, sure. Oh, actually, yeah, there was something else I wanted to say, but I'm hmm. going to say this first. Um, we, are not, we are going to be as spoiler-free as possible for all of our movies. Spoiler-free. And uh, Sam is going to lead us off with his number 10. But before he does, I wanted him to, and I'm going to show him a little, you, you people listening, since we're only an audio, I'm going to show him this little picture. I wrote down some predictions. Okay. And I'm going to reveal my predictions at the end of the episode <laughs> to see if they came true. Okay. But I wanted to show you that I actually wrote them down, so I'm not, I'm not faking it. You know what? You uh, you should have told me should have told me this ahead of time. I would have done the same for you. But <laughs> I uh, I'm not even sure I have a prediction for what your number one movie of the year could be. I, I I believe I know what your prediction for my number one is, and I believe you're probably correct. <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see. We'll uh, we'll get there though. I've, I guess. I've got I won't I've got three predictions on my predictions list. Okay, three predictions. Okay, yes, I so got, I've got you're three. My predicting my top three or... no i'm not even going to tell you what they are Ooh, okay. i'm not even going to tell you they, they they might maybe they're different kinds of predictions okay i am intrigued yes Let's, uh, we will get there and then also to tantalize our listeners mm. i have a special surprise after sam and i reveal our top 10 list consider me tantalized that i is, know uh... <laughs> so without further ado let's dive in sam your number 10 movie of 2018 Number 10 is a Best Picture nominee. Uh, it was written and directed by Mr. Bradley Cooper. It uh, is currently sitting at an 88 on Metacritic, and it grossed a whopping $423 million so far on a $40 million budget, roughly. And that is uh, A Star is Born. Sam, this is on my list, and yeah. it is uh, higher than number I 10. Believe, I believe that. Maybe I should have uh, waited before uh, completely blowing my load on the uh, on the numbers for it. That's all right. That's okay. I, did, did we mention the rules for uh, for this list, by the way? We actually didn't because we actually, you and I discussed them off air. So maybe we should yes. let our listeners know exactly how we're going to be doing this list. Right. So we do this list uh, in classic Samuel and Manuel movie podcast style. But for those uninitiated, uh, we'll be alternating uh, in ascending order from 10 to 1. Uh, I, as Manny mentioned, won the coin flip, so I'm going first. Uh, but if both of us have a movie on our list and one has it higher than the other, we will discuss it at the higher number of the two. I believe that's everything. That is correct. Okay, so since Manny has my number 10, A Star is Born, higher up on his list, we will wait before discussing it, and he will give me his number 10. That's right. And my number 10 we will be discussing right away because it was on your list of notable exceptions. My number 10, First Man. 
First Man, yes, that is one that I have not seen. Uh, I'm excited to talk about it nonetheless, though. Yes, this is uh, this is from our one of our boys, uh, Damien Chazelle. He's a director. Uh, the writer is Josh Singer. Has an 84 Metascore. Uh, I didn't uh, didn't dive into the uh, the gross, but I if I'm not mistaken, I think this only made about 42 million, which is a travesty. Especially uh, for a Damien Chazelle movie, my goodness. Uh, the plot. A look at the life of astronaut Neil Armstrong and the legendary space mission that led him to become the first man to walk on the moon on July 20th, 1969. Um, this, I was really looking forward to this movie. This might have been one of my most highly anticipated movies of the year. Uh, we've got Damien Chazelle, we've got Ryan Gosling, and we've got a biopic about uh, Neil Armstrong. I was like, this is a, a surefire Oscar contender. And now that we're mere days away from the Oscar show, uh, First Man, if I'm not mistaken, was almost completely shut out, if not shut out from the Oscar nominations. Maybe a score nod or anything like that, but I, I don't even think about that. Oh, no, it did get nominated for four Oscars. I can see that there. Uh, I wonder what they are. I got a quick... I got a quick oh, I can, I can look into that if you like. Perfect. Um, leading off, um, I, I just want to talk about the cast, especially Ryan Gosling and Claire Foy. Ryan Gosling is absolutely superb as Neil Armstrong. It's a very understated performance. Yeah, Sam, the Oscar nominations? Yeah, Oscar nominations are for Best Production Design, Best Sound Editing, Best Sound Mixing, and Best Visual Effects. So nothing overly massive, and it'll probably lose uh, in all of those categories, I would imagine. Most likely. <laughs> um, what I was saying with Ryan Gosling, his the kind of performance that is usually, and not surprisingly, overlooked by the Academy. It's not very showy. He doesn't have any of these great monologues. Um, he plays a, um, he plays Neil Armstrong is very stoic, very determined, very focused on his career, um, which was a strain on the family, um, and that's where Claire Foy's performance really steps up. She is superb as um, as Neil Armstrong's wife, uh, and I'm gonna quickly grab her name, Janet. Um, she is great. Her not getting an Oscar nomination um, was actually surprising. When I was watching the film, um, I was. Uh, uh, right off the bat, I thought uh, all of this was a surefire Oscar contender. Uh, I'm really surprised it didn't do well. This is the kind of movie I think people are going to rediscover once it hits home video. Um, this is the kind of movie that I think will get better in time. Um, the one thing that uh, I really enjoyed about this movie, or maybe didn't enjoy, is that it does not glamorize the astronauts or the NASA program. Uh, after watching this movie, I don't want to be an astronaut. Uh, it looks shitty, hard, and grueling. Um, and um, everybody throughout this movie um, was incredible. Um, this was a, a really great movie. And uh, just Damien Chazelle, just again, um, j just a, a superb director. And I'm, I'm very excited to see where, what he's doing next. Uh, I, I'm really uh, very sad that this didn't do better uh, at the box office. It definitely deserved more because I really enjoyed First Man. Yeah, I, um, I'm kind of disappointed with myself for not having seen this movie because obviously, like you touched on, Damien Chazelle is just uh, really one of my favorite guys working in the industry today. Uh, I, I was an absolute sucker for Whiplash. That's like one of my favorite movies. Um, and La La Land, as we, I guess we haven't really had an excuse to talk about La La Land because it was the year before we started this podcast, but you and I both really love that movie. Yes. Um, and I know you've recently rewatched it and I've been looking for an excuse to. Uh, so maybe we can do, I, w I would say we could do uh, top five Damien Chazelle movies, but he's made, what, like three? Three. 
<laughs> yeah, so uh, we'd already know what our top three would be. But uh, yeah, I was kind of upset with myself for having not seen this one. I Over the last couple of days, actually, leading up to this podcast, I've been binging a couple movies, as you know, that I thought could potentially make my list. And this was one that I uh, wanted to get to, but uh, fell down the priority chart a little bit. So yeah, shame on me. No worries. Uh, Sam, you're number nine. Yeah, my number nine, well, as you know, Manny, uh, as we learned in our Top 5 Rom-Coms episode, uh, I am not afraid to bend the rules of these things. Uh, I definitely uh, am looking for any sort of loophole to get a little creative. Um, I wasn't quite sure this qualified as a movie, but it does have a meta score and does have its own IMDb page, so I'm going with it. That is Black Mirror Bandersnatch. <laughs> oh, you fucker. <laughs> um... Yeah. I, I kind of stumbled over that. Black Mirror Bandersnatch, excuse me. Okay. Uh, this is my... Th th oh, what a great discussion. Um, <laughs> this is going to be difficult moving forward. Um, yeah. Because if we go by the Academy, mm -hmm. uh, Academy's definition of a film um, is it has to play on a in inside a movie theater. And, oh. that's, and that's why uh, Netflix allowed Roma... Um, to play in multiple theaters, so it was eligible for the Academy Awards. All of a sudden, I'm very happy I didn't put Bird Box on my list. <laughs> yes. Because I don't think that played in any theaters. Didn't, did no, it? it didn't. But that being said, I think for the sake of our show, I think we should be allowing um, feature-length films on our list regardless of their origin. Yeah, I mean so, we're not we're not the academy. We, we're not yeah, above. So the that includes. I I think we should be able to include um, if there's any any uh, original movies on HBO, on uh, Showtime, on Netflix, on Hulu, on Amazon Prime. Uh, I think we should be including them as long as they are feature length films and not shows. Not yes, that's right. Episodic shows and stuff like that. So I I don't have any problem. Um, with you choosing Bandersnatch, uh, even though even though it is part of Black Mirror, even it, even though it is Black Mirror, but they made this a feature length. This is yes, this is different from an episode of Black Mirror because I think Black Mirror episodes are only half an hour, if I'm not mistaken. The, or, I believe they're an hour long, and, and this is it's listed at an hour thirty, but of course, as we'll get to, uh, it it can be an awful lot longer than that. Yes. Okay. So I, I don't I I don't have a problem. Um, moving forward with us having Netflix movies and other uh, streaming services and cable providers. Fuck, for all I know, if you see an ABC movie of the week that really hits home for you, <laughs> throw it on the list. We're not the Academy. Yeah, I wouldn't count on that. Uh, I don't have cable. So. Okay, so now that we've cleared that up, I have not seen Bandersnatch. You've not seen Bandersnatch. That's no. great. I'm, ha I'm happy. I'll, I'll educate you on this. I'm st I know all about it. <laughs> okay. But so please, for, Bandersnatch. So for those who don't know, uh, the reason, one of the many reasons I thought this would be controversial, uh, putting this on my list, is because this is a choose-your-own-adventure movie uh, that Netflix put forth. Um, so we, we follow this character who's a computer programmer, who uh, makes decisions throughout the movie, and uh, you're actually the one making these decisions for him. Um, I love the creativity with this. Uh, it's one of the most original ideas I've seen this year. It, it gets completely meta at parts. It's self-referential. So he's a, he's a programmer who's creating a choose-your-own-adventure video game 
based on a choose your own adventure book. So it gets completely meta and self referential. I really love it. Um, a lot of the stuff I read about this coming in uh, to this episode was that it's it's gimmicky or uh, or things like that. I mean, it's only sitting at a 61 on uh, Metacritic, so that's not exactly high praise. But I I was totally riveted by the creativity of this. I loved uh, all of the different plots and all of the different endings you could find yourself in. There is one ending that's sort of like the quote-unquote, like the final ending but it takes a long time to get there which is why the hour and a half uh watch time is sort of misleading uh there's about five or six different endings for this where if you want to find all of them you can spend three or four hours on your couch as i did and tend to do um so it's a really creepy if you like black mirror uh in general you'll really like this thing it's super creepy it's super i don't want to say anti-technology but it's very uh it's almost a warning of what technology can do to us, uh, as most Black Mirror episodes tend to do. And uh, it's just a complete mind-bender. Uh, one of the endings, he ends up discovering he's in a Netflix show. And, like, I don't consider that a spoiler, because that's only one of the many endings. But he, And then another one, he ends up, like, becoming a serial murderer because of it. Like, this game drives him insane. And it's, like, it's completely messed up. And uh, if you're wanting something... That's a little interactive, uh, not a complete turn-your-brain-off sort of thing, and something completely new and does something never before seen with the medium. I highly, highly recommend uh, Bandersnatch. Interesting. Interesting choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, <laughs> that's, uh, that's putting it mildly. I, I don't know how happy you are about me making that decision, but I stand by it, goddammit. I, I like that you made that decision. I like, I like that you think outside the box, and I like <laughs> that you definitely try and find the loopholes. If you find a loophole that I don't like, don't worry. It will be viciously revealed. Oh, I, I have no doubt. Manny is a purist when it comes to our podcast. So uh, yeah, I would I would hate to step on any toes, both from him and our listeners. But that is my number nine movie of 2018. Uh, Manny, I believe we're on to yours. I am. My number nine, Incredibles 2. Oh, very good one. Uh, however, not on my list. All right. Incredibles 2 is directed by Brad Bird, uh, written by Brad Bird, had an 80 Metascore. The plot, the Incredibles hero family takes on a new mission, which involves a change in family roles. Bob Parr, that's Mr. Incredible, must manage the house while his wife, Helen, Elastigirl, goes out to save the world. Uh, I was a huge fan of the original Incredibles. Um, It was an absolute joy to watch. Brad Bird knows what he's doing with animation, and he knows what he's doing in live action by his uh, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol film. Um... I'm very. I was very excited when they were when they uh, announced the sequel. I went and saw it. This was actually the first movie my daughter ever saw, um, in a movie theater. So it will always hold a special place in my heart. Um, and it was not. It didn't let me down. It was an absolute joy to watch. It was so much fun. Um, it picked up right where the first movie left off. Um, I love the role reversal. Um, watching uh, Bob try to handle the family dynamics, um, watching Jack-Jack uh, get his powers, uh, and then watching Elastigirl really show off uh, her skills and her powers um, as a hero was fantastic. The uh, Bob Odenkirk as Winston Dever um, was so great. Uh, I loved... Um, I just loved everything about this movie. It was it's it's again Pixar, knocking it out of the park, um, just having a great time 
Um, some incredible set pieces, some incredible animation, and just fantastic voice work from this uh, amazing cast. Uh, Incredibles 2 was just an absolute joy to watch from start to finish. Yeah, I uh, I do agree with most things that you said. This was a movie that I enjoyed. It's a movie that I saw in theaters, of course. Uh, didn't quite make the cut for me uh, for a variety of reasons. I think to an extent, as we hear uh, the sirens going by outside my apartment, probably. Yeah. <laughs> just classic every day in uh, downtown Calgary. Um, but what sort of knocked this movie down a couple of tiers for me, especially in comparison to the first one, which was a masterpiece, uh, it's largely a rehash to an extent. I felt like a lot of the stuff that I'd seen in The Incredibles uh, in regards to the plot I had sort of seen before, um, the struggles of them trying to balance everyday life with... Uh, with superhero life, um, the hatred for superheroes that they need to sort of overcome and get public opinion to be swayed on, um, in their their mistrust of their kids when it comes to their using their powers. Like, a large portion of the plot in the original Incredibles was uh, Helen and Bob learning how to trust their kids uh, to help them and, that, and essentially uh, learning the idea that they need each other. Uh, and we basically relearned the same thing in this movie, I felt. So those are a couple of things that kind of bumped it down the list, a couple of notches for me, just into honorable mention territory. Um, but nonetheless, I enjoyed the crap out of it. I thought Screenslaver was an awesome villain. I thought uh, there were a lot of gags in this movie, uh, in particular Jack-Jack fighting the raccoon. That was just fucking awesome. So, yeah, an abundance of good moments, but uh, fell just shy of the top ten for me. Fair enough. Uh, Sam? Your number eight. My number eight, as we're going back to uh, normal movies now, uh, and going back to the Oscar nominations. It's a movie that I watched for the first time yesterday, actually, so it's nice and fresh in my mind. Uh, and that is Green Book, starring Viggo Mortensen. Green Book is on my list. Okay, I take it a little bit higher. So, uh, yeah, we will uh, we'll skip that one for right now, put a pin in that. Manny, why don't you tell me what your number eight was? My number eight is another movie that was nominated for Best Picture, and that's Black Klansman. Uh, Black Klansman is one that I have seen, another one that fell just shy, unfortunately. All right. Black Klansman uh, is directed by Spike Lee. Uh, it's written by Charlie Wachtel and David Robinetz. has an 83 Metascore. Uh, the plot, Ron Stallworth, and, and as I'm telling you this, Oh, I'm going to say it afterwards. So the plot, Ron Stallworth, an African-American police officer from Colorado Springs, uh, Colorado, successfully manages to infiltrate the local Ku Klux Klan branch with the help of a Jewish surrogate who eventually becomes its leader. And for those of you shaking your head in disbelief, this is based on actual events. That's what made this movie even more enjoyable for me. As I was laughing and enjoying this movie way more than I anticipated, I just kept thinking, this shit really happened. And yeah, what, what, is, what is the message that uh, Spike Lee puts up at the very beginning of the movie? I'm pretty sure that's what he says, is this shit really happened. Something like that, yeah. Um, it took me a bit to realize um, that John David Washington is Denzel's son. Oh, yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, and as he's acting along, I'm like, God damn, he talks a lot like Denzel. And I'm like, oh, man, it sounds so much like Denzel. I'm like, oh, it's because it's his son. Um, he's really good. He's really charismatic. Um, at times, Black Klansman does get a little preachy. Shocker. We're talking about Spike Lee. Um, 
but the fun that this movie has with everything that went on um, is so incredibly enjoyable. Um, at no time was I bored. At no time was I wondering when this movie was going to end. Um, this movie is really good. Uh, I like that it got nominated for Best Picture. It's not going to win. Um, but I, I like the, the nomination. Uh, I like the nomination for Spike Lee. I can't believe this is his first nomination. That's disgusting to me. Um, but uh, Adam Driver um, uh, is really good. I love the way that they juggle... Um, I like the way they juggle everything. For me, the most entertaining parts of the movie are when uh, Ron Stallworth is on the phone with the Ku Klux Klan. Um, it's especially the initial phone call when he calls them, and he can't believe that he's talking to David Duke, the yep. Grand Master, Grand Dragon, Grand Dragon, Grand, Grand, Wizard? Grand Wizard, yeah, Grand Wizard, some sort of mystical terminology, yeah. The Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. It was this movie is this movie's way more fun than I think it has every right to be, considering the very serious subject matter that it covers. Um, I was so incredibly entertained from this movie. I, I just couldn't wipe the smile from my face. I, it, this movie was so much more, f considering the important messages that was within it. This movie was still a ton of fun for me. I, I had a really great time with Black Klansman, and I was going in. Um, I was going in with kind of a little bit lower expectations. I, I knew the reviews were good, and I knew that this had already been nominated for Best Picture, I, but I still felt, I'm like, I'm probably not going to like this very much, and nothing could be further from the truth. This movie was uh, such a joy to watch and so much fun. I, uh, I, as a as a former fan, and I guess current fan, of that 70s show, got to give a shout-out to my man Topher Grace in the role of David Duke in this movie. Yep. I was... <laughs> just so uh confused i just because anyone who's watched that 70s show know that uh topher grace plays the character of eric foreman who's just like a total dweeb uh lanky little sarcastic asshole you know someone for me to look up to for example uh and then he ends up playing this uh, despicable racist uh who's actually quite charming and polite in the movie if i dare say so but I just loved the role reversal, especially how Topher Grace plays a villain in, like, everything now for some reason. But, yeah, I I loved Black Klansman. I really did. I think if there's one thing that it did correct, on top of the uh, messaging that it's clearly trying to put across, uh, we're not going to get into spoilers, obviously, but yeah. at the end of this movie, it uses real-life footage of some recent uh, white supremacist rallies in uh, Charlottesville and other places. So it... and. I think it also uses footage of Donald Trump at certain points. There are some references to Donald Trump in real life in the movie. So certainly this movie is uh, political and trying to say something, which I can respect. Of course it is. But it's Spike Lee. Even more than that, I think what I like about this movie is that it also sort of promotes a dialogue around um, around race and around uh, you know the way to fix things because you have um, – I'm going to forget all of the characters' names, as I always tend to do. Uh, the main the main character's name... Ron Stallworth. Uh, Ron Stallworth, thank you. It's only said about 100,000 times in this movie. Ron and his girlfriend, who, again, whose name I also don't know. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Damn, why can't I remember her name? Yeah. Odetta? Anyway, No. I can't remember her name either. How sad yeah. is that? <laughs> that is sad, my goodness. Uh, but regardless, the two of them have a dialogue throughout the movie about 
the best way to sort of uh, tackle the the problem of race relations. And uh, uh, Ron is more of a moderate, and she's more of an extremist. And the the two of them have sort of a dialogue throughout the movie that I don't think we get a real answer to. We don't really get a neat, clean answer in this movie. Like, hey, here's how you solve racism. Uh, which which I like. It sort of muddies the waters a little bit and doesn't treat it as, pardon the pun, a black and white issue. Um, so I thought this was a very smart movie. I loved the sort of dialogue that will ensue from it. I loved the performances, as you touched on. I'm a big Adam Driver guy as well. Love me some Kylo Ren. Um, and as mentioned, my man Topher Grace, a.k.a. Eric Foreman, a.k.a. David Duke, uh, I thought was really funny as well. Uh, it fell just short of the list for me. I think, because as I mentioned... It's a uh, it's a very smart movie. It's a very good movie, but I think it's the sort of movie that I'll want to sort of let meditate and bubble for a little while, let it simmer and uh, sort of absorb the information from it because it has a lot to say. And I'm not sure that on first viewing I really got all of it. Um, I don't know. I think it's just the sort of movie that upon rewatch might become even better. But for now, again, uh, into honorable mention territory we go. Fair enough. Fair <clears throat> enough. Sam, you're number seven. <laughs> I think we're going to have a pattern here because I'm fairly certain this movie's on your list as well and I'm fairly certain it's going to be higher. Well, obviously it's going to be higher. Uh, that's Widows. Sam, Widows is on my list as well. <laughs> Sam, Widows is my number seven. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Finally, uh, I'll, I'll actually get to talk a little bit, Manny. Yes. It's hard to get a word in edgewise with you. I know. I'm, <laughs> su- I'm too much of a narcissist. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that we can agree on. Um, all right, so set in temporary, or excuse me, let me try that again. Set in contemporary Chicago amid a time of turmoil, four women with nothing in common except the debt left behind by their dead husband's criminal activities take fate into their own hands and conspire to forge a future on their own terms. That was quite a wordy uh, wow. IMDb description. That's, wow. Uh, that was like poetry there. That feels nothing like what this movie's about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me right now outside of the Metascore, which is currently sitting at a hefty uh, and healthy 84, which I'm definitely a big fan of. Um, This is another one I just watched recently, i.e. about five hours ago. Uh, (laughs) But um, first thing that struck me, uh, if you don't mind me taking the lead on this one, Manny, real quick. uh, First first thing that really struck me about this movie was Viola Davis, as she tends to. She is... uh, absolute powerhouse actress one of the finest working in the industry today uh we need more roles for her uh i want her to be uh in every movie ever uh and hopefully she will continue to be uh with a resume like she has um she has a number of fantastic scenes um i love the way that she has to portray uh strength in this movie even though she's just had something devastating happen to her and about midway through this well i guess i should say it's actually more in the in the end of this movie uh something just flips her life upside down and uh i love her acting in those scenes as well um as far as the plot goes this movie i loved the way it took its time it's uh it didn't it was in no rush to get to the heist uh it took a lot of time developing these characters developing their motivations uh setting up the world Daniel Kaluuya plays maybe, I mean, we're going to maybe be spoiling our uh, segment for next week, but he is maybe the best villain of the entire year in this movie. I fucking love that guy and everything he's in. Um, Listening to him speak, it's hard to believe he's British in real life because he nails the American accent he has going on in this movie. Um, Yeah, I was super impressed by all those things and more, but uh, Manny, your general thoughts on Widows? 
I can't I, agree with you more when it comes to Viola Davis. She, that the word you used, powerhouse, is exactly the word I would use for her performance in this movie. Um, no nomination for her is an absolute travesty. Um, this movie, watching her deal with the grief of the loss of her husband, was an absolute masterclass in acting and directing. Steve McQueen, um, he the man knows what he's doing, and. I'm. This is another man whose filmography I will be following from here on out. Um, this is the man that gave us Twelve Years a Slave, and now he's given us Widows. Uh, the the man knows how to make a film, and I'm excited to see what his career brings us. Another big standout for me was Elizabeth Debicki uh, as Alice. Um, she is absolutely splendid in this movie. Um, the whole cast is phenomenal. Um, I, I can't tell everybody enough how great this movie is. And it, it really did get overlooked, uh, and that's sad. This is the kind of movie that I'm going to be shuffling towards my friends as recommendations for them to watch. Uh, I took my best friend uh, T-Bone to this. He came to the theater with me. Um, to just watch a movie and he left so pleasantly surprised by what we watched it was great to see uh, the one the highlight of the movie for me uh, and this was something I tried to explain to Sam and I'm so glad you saw this the camera move after Colin Farrell's speech right oh I if yeah, for I those was, for those I of rewounded, you <laughs> I rewound it immediately and rewatched it again when that scene happened and I was like oh that's what Manny was talking about it's crazy yes it's crazy it's so incredibly hard to describe um but for those of you that watched the movie it's Colin Farrell he's giving this um speech in the projects of Chicago he gets into his limo and the camera stays on like it's probably mounted on the hood of the limo or whatever and it doesn't move. And then this car, as it's driving, you don't, you don't see inside the limo, but you hear his voice. It just keeps driving. It's all in one take. And it drives, what, four blocks maybe? Yeah. And when it makes this turn, the camera turns to the other side of the limo. And all of a sudden, you've left the most disgusting, horrible ghettos. And you're now in an incredibly affluent neighborhood. That's how close these these types of people live to one another and how different their lives are. It's just this beautiful camera move. Oh, it was just gorgeous. And the highlight of the movie for me, in a movie full of highlights. I can't get into too much detail of the other parts of this movie that I enjoy so much because it would be spoilers. And there's so much to spoil in this movie. But please, anybody who hasn't seen Widows, if you get a chance, watch it. You will not be disappointed. This movie is spectacular. Yeah, um, one of the things that I think I maybe not sure if I totally buy yet in the movie. Uh, something there's about a, there's a twist about halfway through. Um, something that you think happened actually didn't. Uh, I don't know. It felt felt fine to me. I, I I still don't know if I totally buy what happened or rather what didn't happen. It's still sort of a uh, I don't know a, a curious plot point for me. I, I don't know if I really found it uh, all that necessary. Uh, if you know what I'm talking about, I know exactly what you're talking about, and yeah. I'm I'm not really willing to discuss it. Okay, that's fair. Um, but I mean, outside of the main cast, just real quick, 
Uh, we already talked about Viola Davis and uh, Elizabeth Debicki. Uh, but Michelle Rodriguez, Colin Farrell, Daniel Kaluuya, as we talked about, uh, Robert Duvall, Liam Neeson, John Bernthal. Like, this cast is fucking crazy. And uh, e- even though some of these actors only have really small parts, in particular, I would have liked to have seen more of John Bernthal. Uh, but goddamn, there are some great performances. In particular, I loved uh, the couple of scenes that Liam Neeson was in. Yes, agreed. Yeah. All but right, that's, Sam. That's all I have to say about that. Perfect. Sam, you're number six. My number six, as I flip back over to the proper page real quick and stall, my number six is uh, a movie that I don't actually think will be on your list, unfortunately, which is a shame because I loved it, and that is Roma. Didn't make my list. Yeah, I, d- I didn't think it would. That's uh, that's fine. I mean, you and I have talked about this movie. I don't know if we've ever talked about it on air. We've certainly discussed it off. Um. Yeah, Roma is a crazy good movie. As I pull up the details real quick, it's currently sitting at a massive 96 Metascore. That's huge. And, I mean, this is number six on my list, and I think that's too high. <laughs> like, that is, uh, that's pretty much unheard of. Um, it's currently, uh, I, I mean, it was only released in theaters, so it could be nominated for Oscars. So the fact that it's currently sitting at a $3.9 million box office from a $15 million budget is slightly misleading. Um Nonetheless, I adored this movie. Uh, If I can pull up the plot real quick as well on IMDb. uh, A year in the life of a middle-class family is made in Mexico in the early 1970s. Boy, is that ever a boring description. (laughs) Um, Yeah, a little bit. This movie is nominated for everything, and it's probably going to win everything. Again, I don't have the nominations in front of me right this second because I'm completely unprepared as always. But if you can think of a category, it's probably nominated for it, including... You know, best picture, best cinematography, best actress, uh, best sound design, best set design, best design of everything that has to do with the movie ever. I think, uh, what are we talking about, 11 nominations, Manny, off the top of my head? Uh, yeah, I, I, I can look that up. You keep talking. Yeah, for sure. So I think um, more than anything, this movie is just a display of the genius of Alfonso Cuaron, uh, his camera work in particular in this movie. Uh, he was his own cinematographer, which is uh, pretty rare, um, and he's been nominated for uh, cinematography, and I would be shocked if he didn't win, because this movie is gorgeous. It's ten, is it? It's ten nominations? Okay, perfect. Sorry, your uh, your Skype window's up in the top corner of my screen, so I didn't see you right away. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, I can't really say much else. It's uh, definitely got the nomination for Best Actress as well for, uh, and I'm going to butcher this, so I apologize, Yelitsa Aparicio. Nailed it. Um, <laughs> she was very good. If there's one criticism I do have about the camera work in this movie, we don't get a lot of close-ups on her. So the scenes where she does really emote and she has a lot to do and to say, she doesn't really uh, get the spotlight. Uh, this, The movie is more... I'm trying to think of a way to say this. The movie's more about the movie than it's about her. Like It's more about the plot than it's about her, if that makes any sort of sense whatsoever. Like The way the camera is positioned in most scenes, it's just sort of uh, positioning you as an observer rather than being in the, in the shit, as it were. Um, so uh, there's a bunch of shit that happens in this movie that I don't even want to spoil. I guess I can say that she becomes pregnant since that happens pretty early on in the movie. I can say this movie is about a maid struggling uh with just a number of things but mainly uh knowing that she's going to have to raise a child alone and her being pregnant and going through uh, the birth process in a uh low income environment 
there's a couple scenes towards the end of this movie that are fucking just tearjerker moments uh, that Manny and I have talked about towards the end, uh, in particular when she does eventually give birth. That scene uh, is is crazy, the, the stuff leading up to it and in the room itself. And then uh, afterwards, uh, there's a moment on a beach between her and uh, the children that she's a maid for. And the, both of those scenes are just, like, scene-of-the-year candidates for me, in particular the latter, where she's on the beach. Um, yeah, I, I'm sad that we're not spoiling these movies, and you really should go see this. It's on Netflix. It's a Netflix original movie. Uh, but, yeah, there's just... Towards the end of this movie, there's there's a lot uh, a lot going on and a lot of reasons to cry. You know, if, if there's some criticisms, you know, it's a little slow-moving... Uh, some of the camera work, as beautiful as it is, doesn't really give the actors uh, a chance to really shine. But other than that, I enjoyed the shit out of Roma. And Manny, why am I wrong? <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, <laughs> I understand every reason why this movie's getting the reviews it's getting. I understand every reason why you love it. Um, and I can't offer an adequate explanation as to why this movie didn't connect with me. This has everything that I'm looking for. The camera work and the cinematography in this movie is absolutely gorgeous. It's no Blade Runner 2049, but it's still absolutely stunning to look at. And that's saying a lot because this movie is shot in black and white. Um, I love the way that Koran moves the camera in this uh, in this film. He does, you're, you are correct, he doesn't use uh, close-ups at all. Uh, it's more of a, almost like a pan and scan type of thing. The, the camera kind of moves around and gives you an idea of everything that's going on around. The amount of coordination and planning that um, these shots he makes um, astound me. The uh, forest fire scene, the scene where she goes to find the father of her child. There's just this slight camera movement, and in the far background, in the far background a man is shot out of a cannon at the exact moment that the camera is passing by the timing and everything that would have to be done for these kind of shots to be executed the way they are is astounding it's gorgeously shot this movie is going to win a lot of awards this weekend and rightfully so the pro i i don't have a reason why this movie didn't resonate with me i was watching it I was interested in it. I just didn't connect to the characters. So the two scenes that Sam mentioned, the the birth um, and the beach, these are the type of scenes where I should be a crying, sobbing mess, wiping snot off of my face. And it didn't even come close to happening. The beach scene did come close, and the beach scene again, there's another beautiful camera move on the beach. Oh my god. The camera moves in this movie are worth a price of admission alone and the admission is nothing because it's on Netflix um, I would despite my lack of enthusiasm for this film um, I still think it's a movie everybody should watch uh, this didn't make my list this didn't even come close to making my list this movie just didn't resonate with me and I don't have an adequate, adequate explanation as to why but it just didn't but I understand exactly why it's getting the praise it has. It just didn't hit for me. 
Yeah, and that's entirely fair. I mean, we, again, maybe should have mentioned this off the top, just to reiterate it. These are our favorite movies of the year, right? These aren't necessarily the movies we think are best constructed, because, I mean, Roma's going to win all the Oscars anyway. It's going to win all the technical awards. This isn't that. As much as I love all those aspects of this movie, these are our favorites, right? So if if you just didn't enjoy it, if it didn't connect with you, you know, that's a personal thing. Everyone's experience in a movie is a very personal thing, and I, I can't fault you. For everyone listening, though, who hasn't seen Roma, I highly, highly recommend it. I can almost guarantee you're going to love it, unless you're a heartless monster like Manny. <laughs> <laughs> but that is my number six, Manny, and I believe we're on to yours. We are. My number six, you mentioned earlier, and that is Green Book. Green Book, yes, uh, was my number eight is your number six uh manny why don't you lead us in awesome this is directed by peter Farrelly. i don't know if you knew that i did actually i didn't know that perfect uh it's written by nick valalonga uh that is the son of the uh main character as well as brian hayes curry uh this has a 69 meta score uh not that high uh it was nominated for best picture um, the plot, a working-class Italian-American bouncer becomes the driver of an African-American classical pianist on a tour of venues through the 1960s American South. This is my first thought after watching this movie. 15, 20 years ago, this is hands down the best picture of the year. Completely. Well, I mean, I've seen so many people online comparing this movie to Driving Miss Daisy, which did win Best Picture, and I actually haven't seen. Uh, but, yeah, I guess you probably have seen that. So do you have any comments on those comparisons? I do, and the it it's a ridiculous comparison. Mm. Ridiculous comparison. Um, the only reason they say that is because Driving Miss Daisy is about a chauffeur, whereas this movie is about a chauffeur. But yeah. they are two completely different films. This movie, I went in um, with a lot of baggage attached to this movie. I saw the trailers, and I thought it was going to be saccharine. I thought it was going to be not that enjoyable. But the chemistry between Viggo Mortensen and Maharshala Ali... Maharshala? No, Maharshala. God damn it. Maharshala. Maharshala. God, why? I, I always struggle with his name until I get it, and then I nail it. You can you can add that to the Samuel and Manuel movie podcast drinking game every time somebody fucks up the name Mahershala. Yeah, <laughs> um, the chemistry between those two is spectacular. I I hope these two are friends in real life. They because on screen they create magic. Those two are the reason why this movie works for me. I love the dynamic between the two. I love the characters. I love how they play off one another. I honestly can't stress how good the chemistry is between the two of them. They carry this movie, and they have to, because the movie is literally just about them. It's about them and what they have to endure as they travel throughout the, around, throughout the South in the 1960s. And this is... a They do sugarcoat a lot of things. They do throw a lot of things in your face. But these are the kind of things that you know about anyways. I love... I love this movie. It's just such a great feel-good movie. A lot of people give it shit because I think that they really... Uh, I, I can't I can't remember the problems that this movie has going for it. I think some people have said there's some inaccuracies and stuff like that. But, but for me, this movie is 
really it's just on it it's just based on the chemistry between the two leads or according to the academy the lead and the supporting actor um but mahershala in my opinion is one of the leads but whatever mm-hmm. he's he's gonna win the academy award for best supporting actor for this role anyways yeah i i completely agree with uh, just about everything you just said uh one of the issues that i know some people had with this movie is that it doesn't go far enough in its like, assessment of race relations. It, some people think it ends too neat and tidily, like it, like it has all the answers. It definitely I, I re- does, yeah. Yeah, and I can totally see that. But I texted just about everyone I knew who had seen this movie, except for you, because I knew we were going to be talking about it anyway. But right after I finished this movie, I, uh, I texted everyone I knew who had watched it and just said, I have a total case of the warm and fuzzies right now. Like, I am oh. just... I'm just completely warm inside. It it ends uh, on do you, it ends on Christmas Eve, I guess. And side note, do you think this will become a Christmas classic? <laughs> no, this is not a Christmas movie. Uh, yeah, just just like Die Hard, right? <laughs> no, at least Die Hard. It was that movie was set at Christmas. This yes, movie just fair. ends at Christmas. Yeah. Yes. I, I guess that oh, that'll be a point of contention for some people. Nonetheless, it's uh, I love. There, there's one moment in this movie where Viggo Mortensen's character Tony Lip is talking to uh, the band members, uh, the uh, the members of the trio, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of them says over dinner uh, something to the effect of "Real change is about courage," and I think that's just what this movie's sort of about. Like Mahershala Ali's character doesn't have to go on tour in the deep south as a black musician in the 60s that's basically just asking for a death sentence um it's basically asking to get the shit kicked out of him which he does it's basically asking to get called all sorts of racial slurs which he does um but he wants to affect change he wants to affect people and he wants to introduce people to who he is and what he stands for and that takes real courage and he takes a stand and i think that alone is enough reason to dismiss the argument that this movie isn't out there enough when it comes to uh, its criticism of racism uh, or anything like that. Because I, I, this movie just, I don't know, it, we, just, we just talked about it. It affected me for some reason. I can't really put my finger on it, just like how you can't really explain why Roma didn't connect with you all that much. I can't explain why Green Book connected with me fully. It just did, and it gave me a case of the warm and fuzzies. So for that reason alone, it made my list at number eight. Oh, dude, I, I, I love the warm and fuzzies reference. <laughs> that is exactly what this movie provides. This is a nice cup of hot cocoa. This, this <laughs> that's is, exactly what it is. This is a hot cocoa of a movie, uh, yeah. <laughs> and that's not in reference to Mahershala Ali. Um, this it, this is a great movie to sit down and watch with the entire family. There's, it, uh, yeah, please if you haven't seen Green Book, watch it. You will you will enjoy it, and at the end of it, you'll feel you'll feel good. This is this is the hot cocoa of of film. This is uh, this movie is very enjoyable. Please go see it. If there's one thing I can maybe uh, pick apart for this movie, because, you know, I, I love to just be the asshole who has to find a problem with something good. Uh, I'm wondering if I should even spoil this. There's something revealed about Mahershala Ali's character a decent portion through this movie when they're on tour mm. that is not really revisited or isn't really relevant to the plot at all. And I'm kind of disappointed that they didn't include more about it. Do you know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're talking about. 
Yeah, there's it's mentioned in like one scene, and it's caused for, it it causes a little bit of a problem that uh, Tony has to talk their way out of. He has to bullshit their way out of it, which he does. And it's not really talked talked about maybe in one scene later briefly. Uh, but I don't know. I, I it kind of felt cheap to include it for one scene. You know what I mean? I do, I, and I agree. That that yeah. is the that that would be my biggest problem with this film is that yeah. thing that you're talking about, which again we cannot get into because that's a big spoiler. Yeah, yeah. So that that was maybe one thing I I had uh, as a criticism of this movie. And Other that's than, a valid uh, criticism. That's yeah. valid. Um, other than that, I just really briefly wanted to say that Viggo Mortensen as Tony Lip, is he the best Italian stereotype since anything Joe Pesci's been in? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, I probably. mean, I, I mean, I would love a crossover movie movie between him and my cousin Vinny. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> well played. Yeah. Sam, you're number five. My number five, uh, we are going to keep it with the Oscars here. Uh, that is the uh, the Oscar-nominated movie, another one that has a shit ton of nominations, and that's the favorite. Not on my list. Really? Okay. Uh, you, you care to give a brief exp- explanation, or uh, should I dive into it? Go right ahead. Okay. So the favorite, currently sitting at a 90 Metascore. Again, I think we're looking at about 10 nominations for this one as well. Um, brief plot synopsis in 18th century England a frail Queen Anne occupies the throne and her close friend Lady Sarah governs the the country excuse me in her stead when a new servant Abigail arrives her charm endears her to Sarah one day I'd love to be able to read a plot synopsis without stumbling all over it but uh, I'm sure our listeners would as well (laughs) yeah (laughs) being literate is not a prerequisite for uh, being on air apparently (laughs) or for watching movies in general so, um, apparently this movie did not strike Manny the way it struck me, but I fucking really liked this movie. I thought it was really funny, um, and, uh, crazy all at the same time. There's some great characters. The character of Abigail, uh, played by Emma Stone. I really like the way, uh, this movie changes your perspective on her, uh, and sort of tricks you into liking her at the beginning of this movie, even though she's sort of a, uh, She's sort of a bitch. <laughs> she uh, she's a, a little bit uh, of a uh, she's kind of a snake. She's uh, trying to uh, find her way to power and find a way to what she wants in this movie. But uh, the writer and director sort of tricks you into into liking her at the very beginning, which I I really like. And then they uh, sort of pull out the rug from under you, almost a Walter White sort of situation. Um, uh, I guess less extreme. Um, the the entire cast for this movie is just absolute gold. Um, I don't know if i think emma stone was nominated for this movie for best actress as well as uh olivia coleman uh for her portrayal of Anne. um rachel weiss yeah rachel weiss is quite good nicholas holt uh as harley is really fucking funny in this movie he plays uh the leader of the opposition in british parliament if i recall he has a number of good lines but in my opinion i just enjoyed the crap out of this movie not only because the plot and uh and, and the uh, shifting power dynamic that's in it but like i said it just has a number of crazy lines if you want some crazy ass british insults like uh, i think what did i say 18th century british insults mm-hmm. this movie's chock full of them one of the really funny things i found about this movie is that all movies about uh this time period in england everyone's speaking very proper and everyone's uh 
I don't know, everyone's just so prim and proper, but in this movie, it's just occupied by a bunch of fucking pigs. Everyone's a sexual deviant, everyone is calling each other cunts at any given moment, and it just feels like such a refreshing change of pace for me. Um... And again, besides the uh, the crazy uh, the crazy good cast that's in it, uh, the plot and the shifting power dynamic, I found to be uh, the best things about this movie. I also think that the technical aspects are very well uh, recognized as far as the Oscars go. Um, the set design in particular is crazy. The makeup and costuming is nuts. Um, Overall, uh, very well put together movie. Manny, uh, you uh, have some points of disagreement, I guess. Uh, not too much of a disagreement. Uh, I was excited to see this movie. As I was watching it in the theater, I was... Uh, and to follow up on what you said, uh, Emma Stone did get nominated. All three of the females uh, did get a nomination, and rightfully so. They're all... Rightf- rightfully so, They're sure. spectacular in this film. The dialogue in this movie is spectacular. The cinematography, I actually had a little bit of a problem with. I did not like the fisheye lens. Really? Um, no, I didn't like it at all. I found it mm. d- disconcerting. I didn't like the... Uh, why am I tripping? The score. The score bothered me. Um, this I wasn't mo- actually crazy about the score. I'll agree with you on that one. Just It was very uh, minimalist and just sort of... Yeah, there wasn't a lot to it. I did enjoy this movie. It just it just wasn't going to make my list. I didn't enjoy it enough. It was it's well crafted. It's incredibly well acted. The th- the three women are jaw dropping. Um, this movie would make a fantastic play. Um, the dialogue is superb and biting. Uh, Nicholas Holt is basically almost unrecognizable under his wig and makeup. Yep. And he is an absolute treasure who steals, I think, every scene that he's in. Uh, your uh, description of everyone being a sexual deviant and an absolute cunt uh, <laughs> is 100% true. This movie is really good and deserved all of its nominations. It just, again, it didn't resonate with me. It's a movie I would probably not revisit. I don't have a desire to see it again. Uh, I'd watch it with somebody if they wanted to see it, but this isn't one that I'm going to pull off the shelf and slide into my Blu-ray player and watch again anytime soon. I I didn't hate it. I was entertained, uh, but it did it did not make my list. Yeah, that's entirely fair. Um, I'm also looking at the director. Uh, again, I'm going to butcher this name. Uh, it's Greek as fuck. It's Yorgos Lanthimos. You I didn't think? butcher it. You nailed it. Man, it's just a matter of sounding it out, I guess. Um, I'm looking at his filmography, and I only recognize two names on there: uh, the Lobster, Lobster. excuse and me, which I Sacred Deer. and Killing of a Sacred Deer. That's right. So I've only seen the Lobster of those two. I've had a couple people recommend the Killing of a Sacred Deer to me just for a really fucked up sort of movie. So I'm intrigued to watch it. And if the Lobster is any indication, that's certainly uh, a true description. But yeah, this movie falls right into that sort of category of a really weird uh, sort of movie, uh, l- strange sort of characters that are unorthodox. Um, and yeah, I don't know how much more I have to say about it other than that. It's a really, really funny movie. Uh, I, The ending, I'm not going to lie, kind of confused the shit out of me. I'm not sure how I feel about the ending as of yet, mm-hmm. um, much like uh, The Lobster uh, has a very strange ending. Um 
but other than that, I think I enjoyed the ride about just about as much as any other movie this year. If if not alone for the performances, then for the laughs as well. Oh, the performance and the laughs and the dialogue is spectacular. Like I, my favorite line in the movie might be like, "Oh, looks like the mail arrived." <laughs> yeah, there's. there's I can't reveal room. why that's so funny because that's a big spoiler. But whatever. <laughs> yes. No, I, I got it. <laughs> Or uh, when uh, there's, well, I mean, I'm so bad at character names. I'm so bad at this. Um, set when Churchill, uh, the Duchess of Marlborough, I, I forget how I'm supposed to refer to her. I guess just Sarah is fine. Um, when Sarah is writing a letter to the Queen, and the first words uh, that she decides to write are just "You cunt," yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's just fucking pissed at the Queen for reasons I won't get into. But yeah, there's just a uh, there's a lot of that sort of stuff being thrown around. Well, that's my uh, that's my fifth favorite movie of this year. The favorite, uh, Manny, your number five. My number five is Avengers: Infinity War. Also on my list, it's Midge higher. Well, all right, we will move on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Sam, your number four. My number four, as I get to continue to talk and stall while I flip to the proper page. Uh, that was the horror movie, A Quiet Place. Not on my list. Okay, not on your list. I've yet to pull up anything about it, so I don't have the, uh, plot synopsis or anything in front of me, but basically... Uh, I have John... it if you want it. Oh, I want it so badly, Okay, please. it's directed by John Krasinski, written by Brian Woods and Scott Beck. Uh, it, uh, has an 82 Metascore. The plot, in a post-apocalyptic world, a family is forced to live in silence while hiding from monsters with ultra-sensitive hearing. So, of the two horror movies made this year about lacking a sense, uh, this movie is definitely the better of the two, I think. Uh, the other one being Bird Box, of course. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know what else to say other than that uh, John Krasinski in his debut as a director fucking knocks it out of the park. I've been a big fan of his for a long time. Uh, he, I loved him in The Office and continue to love him in The Office. And he's had a number of you know, smaller roles in other movies and TV shows. But this was like, here I am, world. I'm a serious actor. Get used to it. And a serious director and writer. Um, what I love most about this movie is uh, the creative ways in which it reveals plot and uh, reveals character emotion without any dialogue. Uh, and, I mean, most of this movie is uh, communicated through sign language. And... There's just a number of looming threats in this movie that you're just like, how the fuck are they going to solve this thing? Like, Emily Blunt's character is pregnant in this movie, and you're like, okay, great. Even if she finds out how to give birth without making a noise, there's still the minor task of getting a child to shut the fuck up. Uh, so that was going to be a problem always. And I, I loved the way that this movie revealed uh, the solutions to those problems, and I loved the way... Uh, that they communi uh, or communicated, excuse me, dynamics between the characters, even without any uh, tangible dialogue. So, um, really creative movie, really great debut by John Krasinski. Uh, uh, I, 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 okay, I gotta cut in here. Okay, because it's, right. it's the second time you said it. This is not his directorial debut. It's this not is, his directorial this debut. This is his third film. No way. Yes. Okay. Well, this is news to me. All right. What else do we got? Oh, his other ones. Yeah. Uh, one's called The Haulers. Uh, okay, that he directed in 2016. Okay. And the other one, uh, was, it's called a Brief Interviews with Hideous Men in 2009. 
Okay, so I apologize for forgetting both of those no-name movies, but uh, yeah, this... Uh, can I say his... Uh, I don't even know how I could... His debut, his, uh, his first film that got on my radar. Let's put it that way. Yeah. yeah. The, the first one, the, the brief interviews of Hideous Men, is a, it, he directed that before he was even on The Office. Oh. Um, but The Haulers, uh, it's actually got a, a pretty pretty big cast. Uh, uh, Margot Martindale, you might know. Hey, I know Margot Martindale. <laughs> uh, as, as seen on BoJack Horseman. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte Copley, Richard Jenkins, John Krasinski, Anna Kendrick, Randall Park, uh, Josh Groban, Charlie Day. There's a lot of people in this movie. Uh, okay, well, I apologize to Mr. Krasinski. I know you're listening. I apologize for not knowing your filmography up to this point and your uh, outstanding body of work. It's my apologies. Yes, I just didn't want you to keep saying debut. Uh, yes, so I, I know I, all the I, listeners were like, this guy's putting his foot in his mouth right now. <laughs> yes, um, but uh, I understand... Uh, where you're coming from from this film uh this uh this is definitely uh this is one of the last movies to get cut off of my list mm-hmm. um i do, sam did you see this in the theater i did yeah i did see this in the theater how was it uh it was good are you referring to just the overall condition of the audience like what were people yeah. that able yes. to remain silent yes. yeah I, I think when i saw it it was actually pretty empty in there unfortunately um i saw it at one of the smaller theaters in calgary and i think a few weeks into its runtime already uh so it was, it was relatively empty in there but i uh i i had no problems i could get over the sounds of people chewing i regret not seeing this in the theater this would have been an exquisite theater experience because i was here home alone watching it and i didn't want to make a sound so being in a theater full of people it would have been spectacular there were a couple moments in this movie that made me roll my eyes a little bit and i have a little bit of a problem with um but nothing that was a real detriment to this film it is a great coming out party for john krasinski uh, like we said, it's not his debut, but this shows that this man has potential. I'm excited to see what he does moving forward. We'll see what he does, but the man knows how to create tension in a scene. He knows how to craft a really great movie, and he knows how to get what he wants out of his performers. Uh, Emily Blunt is spectacular in this film. Um, the little girl who actually is deaf that plays their daughter, uh, her name is Millicent Simmons. Um, she was really good, and the performance he got out of uh, Noah Jupe as their oldest son, um, again, was fantastic. This is a, a really great film that everybody should check out. Um, it has a couple jump scares, but this isn't a gore fest. There is blood, but this was an incredibly entertaining movie that I woefully regret not going to the theater to see. Yeah, I was certainly holding my breath in the theater. I can certainly see why you would have wanted to. I was super self-conscious about every bite of popcorn and every little shift in my seat uh, (laughs) and didn't want to disturb the people around me because, as we know, that is a big pet peeve for both of us, as we discussed in a previous episode. Yes. So that is my fourth favorite movie of the year, A Quiet Place. Uh, Manny, on to yours. My number four is the documentary, Whoa. Won't You Be My Neighbor? 
I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it, and I want to so bad, but I haven't seen it. I'm sorry. Uh, as I understand it, I believe you'll probably get to this. Uh, this was a snub, was it not, it on was. the uh, Oscar for Best Documentary Feature? Yes, it was, and it mm-hmm. broke my heart. For those of you that want to see Won't You Be My Neighbor, and I've been actually holding off because I've been waiting to do this list, this is on Netflix right now. Um, Won't You Be My Neighbor is directed by Morgan Neville. It has an 84 Metascore. This is an exploration of the life, lessons, and legacy of iconic children's television host Fred Rogers. I grew up with Mr. Rogers, and this documentary really hit home. I cried hard. I cried such tears of joy, such tears of sadness, and such tears of being touched by a man that is so incredible this man the way he changed the world um and the way he changed children's lives and the little things he did to help try and make the world a better place was such a joy to behold i cannot recommend this movie enough for everybody won't you be my neighbor is pure cinematic joy there needs to be more people in this world like Fred Rogers. I cannot stress that enough. This man was a godsend. And I am so glad I got to watch this film. And I'm so looking forward to watching it again. Um, there's so much that this man did. There's so much that he tried to do to make the world a better place. And to help improve the lives of children. And to inspire children to do things. And inspire he did. I love Mr. Rogers and as much as he's mocked as much as he's made fun of and all those crazy rumors you hear that he used to work for the CIA all not true Mr. Rogers is a gift from heaven yeah I uh, I was upset to have missed this one but even more so I was upset to have missed Mr. Rogers because uh, I was born October 18th 1996 and Mr. Rogers uh went off the air August 31st, 2001. So, uh, at the ripe young age of four years old, uh, I, if I did watch Mr. Rogers, I don't remember. Um, so unfortunately that was one from my childhood and many other people's childhood that I ended up, uh, having to miss. Uh, my experience with Mr. Rogers is basically hearing people rant about what a good person he was and, uh, about people parodying him and, and making fun of him. So, yeah, I'm going to have to catch this one. This is going to have to be propelled to the top of the list up there with First Man. Yeah, uh, I, I can't really talk much else about this without spoiling some stuff in there. Um, I really want to leave this uh, as blank as possible for people to experience it because this movie is so incredibly touching. Please go see Won't You Be My Neighbor? And there's no excuse not to. It's on Netflix, people. Yes, I will uh I will consider myself to be one of those people you're talking to. <laughs> All right. So that I guess was your number 4, correct? Correct. So we are getting on to my number 3. It's already been mentioned. I believe it was your number 5. That was Avengers Infinity War. Woohoo! Lead us <laughs> off, champ. <laughs> All right. So on IMDb, it's currently sitting only at a 68 Metascore. Are you shitting me? That's criminal. Uh, and the plot synopsis is: the Avengers and their allies must be willing to sacrifice all. Must be willing to sacrifice all in an attempt to defeat the powerful Thanos before his blitz of devastation and ruin puts an end 
to the universe. It was directed by the Russo brothers, Anthony and Joe. Uh, screenplay credits for a bunch of people, including 16. those, I guess. 16, 16 people credited I, with the screenplay. I'm not going to read that. I'm just going to say thanks to the 16 people for writing this movie. Uh, I did see this one in theaters. I saw it twice, as a matter of fact. Um, it stars, you know, whoever you could want to star in a movie in 2015. <laughs> this person is probably in it. You got everyone from Robert Downey Jr., Chris Hemsworth, Mark Ruffalo, Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson, Benedict Cumberbatch, Don Cheadle, Tom Holland, Chadwick Boseman, Paul Bettany, Elizabeth Olsen, Anthony Mackie, Sebastian Stan, Denai Guerrero, Letitia Wright, Dave Bautista, Zoe Saldana, Josh Brolin, and Chris Pratt. So a pretty small, uh, intimate cast here uh not very many big names uh besides all of those 100 billion people i just listed um this i I don't know if this movie had come out yet when we did our uh top avengers movies of all time had it no we did this in preparation of yeah that's right so we in preparation for avengers infinity war coming out uh, we, Manny and I listed off our top five uh, MCU movies, Marvel Cinemat- Cinematic Universe movies, um, and this was obviously not on it because it hadn't come out wet- yet. I can tell you right now, it's number one for me. This is my favorite MCU movie, overtaking uh, 2008's Iron Man, of course, uh, for those diehard listeners of the Samuel and Manuel movie podcast. Um, yeah, this movie devastated me. Again, we're not getting into spoilers, but this no, is... No, we are... This is... When I talked about we're going to spoil a movie... This one we're going to spoil. If you haven't okay. seen Avengers Infinity War by now, I'm sorry. That's your own fault. This is this is the biggest movie of the year, and this is the one where I'm sorry that I, there's no way I can talk about this movie without spoiling it. So here's your warning. At this point from now on, for the probably the next five, ten minutes or so, Sam and I are going to spoil Avengers Infinity War. Bang, you've been warned. Let's move on. Yeah, so this movie just has so much shit that happens in it. I I don't even know what plot points I want to delve into specifically. Uh, What I was going to say about the ending, I guess, when the snap happens, that is, uh, it's analogous to The Empire Strikes Back, I guess. It's just the perfect in-between movie in the, uh, I guess it'll be, uh, well, I guess there'll be four movies, so it won't be a trilogy, right? There'll be four Avengers movies uh, once Endgame comes out. Correct, But. Fuck me if the ending of this movie uh, didn't completely blindside me. I had no idea what was going to happen. And through the course of the movie, I was sort of thinking to myself, like, how are they going to... I would have been angry if they defeated Thanos, I guess, because he was so fucking powerful, and the Infinity Stones are set up to be these all-powerful things, and I just... I genuinely didn't know how they were going to take down Thanos, given how powerful he was without the Infinity Gauntlet, that I was just like... I, it'll actually seem cheap if they win this battle, and then they actually lose the fucking battle, and I I was blindsided by that. I I kudos to the Russo brothers for having some fucking balls and uh, killing off half, half their main cast. Uh, again, I'm sure most of them will be back since some of these people that were killed have spinoff movies and standalone movies pr- planned. But uh, yeah, the ending uh, was one of. In recent memory, one of my favorite uh, moments sitting in a movie theater. I was completely in awe. I concur. And this is the reason why we had to spoil this movie is because I can't talk about Avengers Infinity War without talking about the snap. Um, The snap is going to go down as – it's going to go down in cinematic history. I I agree. I think it is going to go down with um, I Am Your Father. 
this moment uh, is something I'll never forget. Now, being uh, a comic book nerd, being a movie freak, I knew something big was going to happen. My expectations going into this was either that Captain America or Iron Man were going to die. One of them. I didn't anticipate that half of the universe was going to die. This movie was actually Thanos' movie. It shouldn't have been called Avengers Infinity War. It should have just been called Thanos. This movie is Thanos' movie. And the the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Kevin Feige, the showrunners, whatever you want to call them, they know that it is because at the end of the credits of this movie, it just says Thanos will return. It doesn't say the Avengers will return. It doesn't say anything else. It just says Thanos will return. This movie allows the villain, if you want to even call him that, and that's what makes this guy a good villain is that you can understand his point of view. He's not... He's not killing half the universe because he's some evil, maniacal man. He's killing half the universe because it has to be done to allow balance. There's too many people and not enough resources. Now, is that the right thing to do? Not really. I'm sure you could figure out some other way to solve the problem. But I understand where he's coming from, and that's one of the things that makes a good villain. Josh Brolin is fantastic as Thanos. And I agree. I was as it was going along, I I knew that this wasn't going to end well, but I didn't anticipate the ending and when it came, it was devastating, especially Spider-Man. That was hard to watch. Thinking Kudos. about it thinking about it right now, I'm not lying, I can feel the tears in my face. It was such a tour de force performance by Tom Holland and this gives credit to the writers, the actors, and the way that they build up these characters. They make you care about these people. Now, granted, like I've said to everybody numerous times, I am 100% biased because I am a Marvel freak. I love these movies. I love these characters. So, of course, they resonate deeper with me, hence why it's my number five and Sam's number three. I yeah. love this movie and these characters yeah uh being someone who wasn't as big of a comic book nerd or a comic book nerd at all as uh, manny was uh, by his own admission uh it's really surprising to me just how in love with these movies i've become and how in love with these characters i am um yeah you you touched on tom holland as spider-man as peter parker fuck man that death scene uh really uh really affected me uh it I, I think I probably said wow out loud in the theater both times I saw this. I really want to rewatch this movie before Endgame as well as a, a number of other Avengers movies. But, uh, yeah, what else can you say other than it's a great performance across? Uh, there's there's a couple of little things. like This isn't even really a criticism, but it makes me angry when uh, Chris Pratt uh, starts beating the shit out of Thanos when he's uh, being, you know, hypnotized or uh, being induced into sleep or whatever, so that they can so that they can defeat him, that's when he finds out about Gamora's death and he loses his shit. A lot of people had a problem with this moment. I didn't necessarily. It definitely makes me angry when it happens that he fucks up their plan. But it's also not against his character. It's very true to his character yes. and uh, true to his relationship with Gamora that he had. Um, other than that, you know, I I struggle to find a flaw with this movie. It's 
brilliantly done. The Russo brothers, uh, who did, I guess, uh, their real claim to fame was with Winter Soldier, if I recall correctly. Oh, so Yeah, good. which is another just fantastic, fantastic movie. Um, but yeah, they've done it again. And this is a movie that will go down in history as one of the great blockbusters, I think, of our generation. Correct. Uh, just two things I want to touch on before we move on. Um, the 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 interaction the the highlights the highlights of the movie in regards to fun interactions are easily between Thor and the Guardians of the Galaxy and uh, for me Captain America's entrance into the movie gave me chills and almost brought me to tears I am Steve Rogers tell yeah. me that line didn't make you bust a gut laughing <laughs> yeah uh, it was the the this whole movie is is just spectacular but again I cop and I. I fully admit that I am 100% biased. Hmm. Um, So that was your number three. Twas. What is yours, good sir? My number three, Mission Impossible Fallout. Actually did not see it. Please don't hate me. (laughs) I don't hate you. And actually, I actually probably would have been a little sad if you had seen it because I know you haven't seen any of the Mission Impossibles. You're outing me right here on air, are you? Yeah, uh, not not that watching the other ones is a prerequisite because each one of them is a standalone. This is the first one that's almost a sequel um, to the previous one, as there are um, there is a villain crossover, um, and it, it, there is some references to the to uh, the the previous one, which is Rogue Nation. Um, but other than that, it's not required viewing. The only thing is that with people on Ethan Hunt's team you might not understand some of their interactions or the references, but again, not needed for this film. It just would, it would just accentuate it even more. So that being said, Mission Impossible Fallout, directed by Christopher McQuarrie, written by Christopher McQuarrie, an 86 Metascore. The plot, Ethan Hunt and his IMF team, along with some familiar allies, race against time after a mission gone wrong. Whew. I don't even know how much I can talk about this movie without getting overly excited. This was one of the funnest times I've had in a movie theater in forever. I went in, I couldn't believe how much I actually enjoy these Mission Impossible movies, and what's surprising is they keep getting better and better. And that's not to disparage the early ones, but they just keep getting better. They found the voice, especially with Christopher McQuarrie at the helm, and I'm pretty sure that Tom Cruise just wants to kill himself. Um, As it's been said ad nauseum, Tom Cruise did all of his own stunts in here, and I think that's one of the reasons that this movie was so enjoyable for me was the lack of CGI. Everything is done practically, and everything is done in real, and knowing that it was Tom Cruise doing these things made the movie even more spectacular for me. Um, the stunt work is absolutely unreal. I, I really hope there, there has been talk of it, and I'm really hoping that the Academy will add stunt work into an Academy Award. Um, and if that was the case, this movie's winning hands down all-time greatest stunt work this movie is so much fun to watch um there is one of the many many highlights of this movie for me for those of you that don't know tom cruise um broke his ankle 
uh, while filming a stunt. And it's actually, out of all the stunts he did in the movie, this one's actually the simplest. It's him just jumping from one rooftop to another. And as what happens in movies, they short the jump so he hits the side of the ledge and he has to pull himself up. Well, in the movie, the take that they show in the movie is the one where he breaks his ankle. And you can see that he's broken it. Not that you see like his ankle's broken, but it the shot um, is side is it's a side view, so you see him leap from the left side of the screen to the right side of the screen, and he shorts the jump, and his foot hits the wall, and then it cuts to uh, a different camera angle where you're looking at him coming towards the camera, and this scene is him running. It's a foot chase scene, and he's sprinting the whole time. He's doing that Tom Cruise run where he runs really fast, but when he climbs up off the ledge. With a real broken ankle, you can see that it's broken because he ain't running. He's a hobbling. And I always, I loved that the take that he breaks his ankle is the one that they actually put in the theater. Uh, I think they probably put it in as a bit of a joke or an homage to the work that he did. Um, but it, it is such a fun movie. I honestly cannot stress that enough. This movie was a thrill ride from start to to finish yeah that uh that little bit of tom cruise trivia him breaking his ankle uh and them using the take i think that'll go up there with uh leonardo dicaprio in Django unchained uh smearing blood over carrie washington's face yes those, uh, those i sort of put in the same category for uh great improvised moments maybe you can even throw uh heath ledger in there as well in the dark night uh, with the hospital exploding uh but the mission impossible franchise is one that I know is uh, is quite well revered, and I know uh, with Tom Cruise being a very gifted actor, especially in the uh, action category, um, I, I know that it's one that I'm that I have severely lacking in my uh, in my film repertoire, I guess, as it were. Um, so yeah, I, I got some catching up to do, I guess. Um, Tom Cruise is probably my favorite Scientologist actor. Um, maybe maybe Giovanni Ribisi uh, can can contend with him. So besides being a nut job uh, in real life, sorry to any uh, Scientologists I may be offending uh, <laughs> with this uh, portion. But uh, yeah, aside from being a nut job in real life, uh, Tom Cruise is uh, pretty pretty damn good at what he does. Yeah, I I agree. All right, Sam, we're uh, we're at the big show. Yeah. Number two for you. So number two, um, again, uh, uh, we were talking about slight loopholes. This one isn't as big of a loophole uh, as Bandersnatch was. Nonetheless, it is a Netflix movie, so I, I don't believe it was uh, it was up for any Oscars. Uh, that is the Alex Garland masterpiece, Annihilation. Uh, you're actually incorrect, sir. This was not a Netflix film. Um, really? This was released. It was released in, I believe, February or March of this year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now that I'm looking on the Wikipedia page, it looks like uh, it was released in Canada and the United States on February 23rd, 2018. So, yes, it does qualify, actually. Happy uh, happy anniversary to this movie. I guess we're recording this on the 21st, 2019. It's almost a year ago now. Anyway, uh, yeah, Annihilation. Uh, I take it it did not make your list, Manny? Uh, no, it did not. Okay. So, uh, a biologist signs up for a dangerous secret expedition into a mysterious zone where the laws of nature don't apply. As I mentioned, uh, this is directed by Alex Garland. He gave us the brilliant Ex Machina. Oh, if you, ha the if you haven't, brilliant. 
if you haven't seen that movie, uh, that should be uh, bumped up to the top of your list, dear listener, because that is a uh, that's a hell of a movie. Uh, it's currently sitting at a 79 Metascore. No surprises there. Uh, seems about accurate to me. Stars Natalie Portman, Jennifer Jason Leigh, Tessa Thompson. Um, yeah, so this movie just is a fucking mind bender. Like I said with Bandersnatch, that's I, putting it mildly. Yeah, I I love. I love the sci-fi genre. I love movies that make you think and don't spoon-feed you shit. I love movies that are open-ended, sort of, and really weird and creative. And this movie checks all those boxes. It's so fucking weird, the ending of this movie. Again, we're not going to be spoiling it. Oh, but God. I, I, I honestly wish that we could, but I, I want to leave this open. This is a movie yeah. that I think you and I should take an, uh, have an episode about. Yeah, for I, sure. would, I would. I would love. This is a movie that I think people need to watch. Well, we have some guest appearances coming up, and uh, maybe we can squeeze them into one of those. That's I think that'd be a good that's idea. That's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Annihilation uh, is a movie that really will test your uh, test your brain. It's not really a sit back and uh, enjoy sort of movie. It's a very active sort of thing. I. I was trying to predict the ending the entire time, and I have I had no fucking clue. And even after having watched it and having enjoyed it, first thing out of my mouth was, what the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> the ending of this movie uh, leaves you with more questions than answers. It uh, is completely creative in its, uh, in its locations, in its villains, in uh, the the sort of weird shit that they see and encounter throughout this movie that they have to survive in this strange area called the Shimmer, uh, that uh, you know I I could go on and on and on. Um, Natalie Portman's amazing. I don't think I talked talked excuse me. Don't think I talked about Oscar Isaac. That's a really tough sentence right there. Uh, <laughs> don't think I talked about him. But fuck me, he's one of my favorite actors in the industry today. Oh, I he's love... climbing the ranks for me, man. Holy yeah. shit. Everything from his role in this movie to being Poe Dameron in the new Star Wars uh, movies to uh, Inside Lewin Davis, he was incredible in, uh, Coen Brothers feature. Um, yeah, I don't know how much I can say about this movie. If I haven't made it sound cool enough, it's only because I can't spoil it. Because right from the beginning, you're you're left with so many questions, some of which are answered, some of which are answered in a way that only leaves you with more questions I am uh, I'm a big big fan of this movie. It uh, is one of the most creative movies I've seen in a long long time. I cannot. I cannot. I, I don't even know where to go. Um, <laughs> there's so much to dive into and dissect in this movie. Uh, I think you and I are gonna definitely have to find um, a time to to break this movie down and spend some time on it. I don't I don't want to reveal anything because this is the kind of movie that should be left unknown for uh, uh for people to experience on their own. This movie is a visual treat. It is this is this is true science fiction. This is not a sci-fi film. This is science fiction and there is a difference. I I'm looking at the IMDb. I can't believe it's listed as a horror film. That's surprising to me. I can I can see it. There's the sequence with the bear. The that's ghost bear. Pretty fucking freaky. Yeah. Th- that. That's the highlight of the movie. Yeah, that's. I mean, we haven't been doing uh, best scenes, I guess, in all of these movies, which we always kind of forget to do. But yeah. if I was to choose a best scene in this movie, it'd probably be the one with the bear. It's the ghost. A hundred percent, it's a ghost bear for me. <laughs> yeah, it's fucked. Um, yeah, there's there's so much to get into with this movie, and I agree. 
this is the kind of movie I enjoy because this doesn't answer questions, it asks them. This is also the kind of movie that doesn't spoon feed the information to the viewing to the viewers. You have to pay attention and these are the kind of movies that I love. I'm with Sam. I can't recommend this movie enough for those of you that want a true cinematic experience. That's what this movie will provide. It is uh, a, just an absolute treasure trove of ideas, of visual elegance. I, I love this movie. It, it, this was also a hard one to cut off my list. Yeah. On uh, on top of being, uh, I mentioned that I thought it was a Netflix original. It turns out I was mistaken. Um, it is on Netflix for anyone who wants to watch it, and I highly recommend you do. Uh, one of the reasons I thought it was a Netflix original, uh, besides it being on Netflix, was that uh, it totaled a uh, a total of forty three million dollars uh, gross on a budget of forty to fifty five. So it actually lost a lot of money, uh, which is really a shame because this is the sort of movie that people should be uh, paying to watch and definitely going to see. Uh, as far as I can tell, I've been scouring the Wikipedia page. I don't see any Academy Award nominations, nope, which nothing. again. Which is a complete shame. Uh, I guess this is sort of a theme. Last year, uh, the number two movie on my list, Wind River, received no such nominations. This year, my number two movie, again, is receiving no nominations, both of which I think is just absolute bullshit. Um, But yeah, I don't know what else I can say. Go see this movie. Alex Garland is a genius and someone I'll be continuing to watch uh, for years to come, I'm sure. Um, This is sort of a head-scratcher how this movie didn't do well. I guess it makes sense because it's... Again, it's not a, you know, let's go blow some shit up and uh, entertain ourselves for an hour and a half. You know, it's it's a very, very uh, smart movie. And, uh, you know, I, I'm i very sad that it didn't do well because it's my second favorite movie of 2018. I'm just double checking something. Yeah. And. Wow, I uh, I didn't know that. Uh, I I want to see what else Alex Garland had done. Yeah. Um, he the, his his directorial debut was Ex Machina. Wow. Uh, which is unbelievable. But he actually wrote the novel, The Beach. Oh, weird. Yeah. But yeah, he, like the Leonardo DiCaprio of The Beach. Yes. Weird. He wrote the novel, not the screenplay. Yeah. And he, uh, but he wrote two other movies um, that I really like. Uh, and that's 28 Days Later and Sunshine. Yeah, wow. Um, wow, okay. Alex Garland, uh, you're definitely on our watch list. Yes, for sure. All right. So that is my second favorite movie of 2018, Annihilation. It's on Netflix. Go watch it if you haven't already, of course. Manny, your second favorite movie of 2018 is? Your number 10, A Star Ooh. is Born. Wow, that's quite the discrepancy. Yes. All right, I'll, I'll let you take the lead, of course. All right. A Star is Born, uh, it's uh, directed by Bradley Cooper. It is his directorial debut. It's written by Eric Roth and Bradley Cooper. Has an 88 Metascore. The plot, a musician helps a young singer find fame, even as age and alcoholism send his own career into a downward spiral. I was very ex- When this movie was announced, I wasn't that excited. Um... I, I'm full, uh, full, uh, full disclosure. I hate Lady Gaga. <laughs> so when this movie was announced um, with Bradley Cooper directing and starring and Lady Gaga starring, I was like, this is going to be horseshit. 
Then the first trailer came out, and I was angry because of how good it looked. I was upset that Lady Gaga looked like she was going to be good, and I was upset that the trailer had me hooked. So when I went and saw it, and the movie starts, and the first half of this movie might be some of the best first half of movies of all time. This movie flies along. The second half doesn't quite live up to the first half. And I hate to admit it, but Lady Gaga is spectacular. Um, I've grown to appreciate her more. And that's a shout out to my, uh, my good friend Katie, who doesn't listen to this podcast, so she won't hear me admit it anyways. Um, Lady Gaga really strips down her and gets rid of her, re- of her, her real-life persona and really inhabits this role. And it's the kind of role I honestly can't see anybody else in, despite the fact that this is the fourth time this movie has been made. This is a remake of a remake of a remake. Uh, The performance by Bradley Cooper is off the charts good as Jackson Maine. The... But Lady Gaga really shines. There are some moments she has where her delivery and stuff isn't quite as good, but I don't hold it against her because the other parts of her performance are so good. She plays vulnerable very well. She plays strong very well. And the chemistry between her and Bradley Cooper is mesmerizing. They have a real affection for one another, and I feel that... I'd li- I, I should I, I wish I'd done a little bit more research on it, but I think I think that Bradley Cooper really sat down and told Lady Gaga to just trust him, and I think she used him as a safety net, and she just went all out for it, and he led her down this path um, towards this movie and the performance that she gave, and she fucking kills it. I love the connection that these two share their moments together are cute and adorable as they're building towards their relationship I I absolutely was as bad of a pun this is I was absolutely starstruck by how good this movie was it surprised me to no end I loved it Sam Elliott in a very small role is spectacular well earning his nomination um, Andrew Dice Clay as uh, Lady Gaga's father is so adorable and sweet and that's a huge thing if anybody knows Andrew Dice Clay's stand-up persona um, and I grew up worshipping Andrew Dice Clay the musical scenes the concert scenes are some of the best concert scenes done this year with the exception of one of a film that shall not be named Um, I love this movie I've seen it twice in the theaters it was just released on Blu-ray this week I bought it the day it came out on Blu-ray 4K thank you very much Uh, that's a a humble brag and I'm looking forward to watching it again this movie is immensely rewatchable and this I think will become a classic for me I, I love this movie The one thing I'll say, and I'm not going to spoil anything, um, is that I'm going to say this, but I can't dive into it because I I don't want to spoil anything. I just don't feel that the movie earns the ending. The 
choice that a character makes at the end of this film comes too quickly and isn't earned properly. It definitely could have, and they were setting up for it, but it comes too quickly and isn't earned properly. That's my biggest complaint about this movie. That's all yeah. I want to say. I uh, I do know what you're talking about, and I definitely have the same note. By the way, shout out to Jordan and Emma, who I'm pretty sure are, uh, I, I can hear voicing their displeasure in my head right now uh, at the fact that this is even on my list, because I know neither of them were particularly big fans of this movie. Uh, oh, large... they didn't like this movie? Yeah, they're not coming on. Oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I'm, of course, just kidding. I love, <laughs> I, I love hearing other people's opinions. Yeah. Yeah, you just think yours is more important, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll tell you this right now. Full disclosure, I definitely used to. Oh, yeah, completely. Definitely I know, used uh, to. I am way better than I used to be. You and I are both uh, well-versed in the field of film snobbery. Um, yeah, so I, I would completely agree with just about everything you said. I couldn't quite get past the ending decisions that you were referring to quite as much as I think you could. It actually really bothered me the way that they treated uh, the conclusion of this movie. Although I will say um, the final scene of Lady Gaga singing uh, a song that Bradley Cooper had written uh, was a beautiful way to end the movie uh, as far as its final scene went. Because um, as good as Bradley Cooper's performances and as Brad, uh, excuse me, as good as their uh, performances and their chemistry is together. I think this is really, the movie's about Lady Gaga. I mean, it's right in the title, A Star is Born. It's about her learning to become an artist and learning to be authentic. Because when she does first get thrust into uh, superstardom, uh, she goes on a path that Bradley Cooper doesn't approve of, and he voices his displeasure at that. Um, But the final scene of this movie is her learning to become a true, authentic artist and fully realizing her dream. And I, I was kind of uh floored by that honestly the final scene of this movie um that being said their their somewhat toxic relationship uh and the way it's romanticized and the way that bradley cooper's uh alcoholism and just general being an asshole is sort of romanticized kind of irked me to be honest Uh, and this probably would be higher on my list without those things uh as well as the things you were referring to which would get into spoiler territory so i won't touch it other than saying that I really didn't like the way that was treated. But I'll completely agree with you. First half of this movie I thought was great. The setup to the relationship and their chemistry was awesome. The soundtrack... Okay, so when when La La Land came out two years ago, I immediately went home and learned two songs from that movie on piano, and I did the same thing with this movie on guitar. Uh, The song Shallow just... This isn't even my type of music. I am not into this type of music. And it just, for some reason, just puts a smile on my face. All of the music in this movie is fucking awesome. Yes. I I love the soundtrack to this movie. Awesome. Yeah. So that was the reason why it didn't uh, climb the list for me. But I'm happy it reached your number two spot. Yeah. And your complaints uh, are duly noted. And I will not argue against them. Um, But this movie just really, for some reason, really connected with me. And that's hard for me to admit because I do not like Lady Gaga. <laughs> Side note, uh, I was trying to find a Sam Elliott uh, tweet. Uh, I, I couldn't quite find it. But somebody, a fan asked him uh, what his thoughts were on being nominated for an Oscar for this movie. And his response, I think verbatim, was just, it's about fucking time. <laughs> Which <laughs> I think is just a, a brilliant response. All right, Sam. That leads us 
to your number one movie 2018 which i know what it is yeah tell me what it is manny what's my number one movie your number one movie of 2018 is a true directorial debut a true one not like mr john krasinski yes of (laughs) your good friend bo burnham's that is correct eighth grade that is absolutely correct yes the if you placed a bet on my movie or my number one movie of 2018 being eighth grade, you are first of all, not exactly a genius. Cause I've hinted at this many a time. If you're a diehard listener of uh, the Samuel and Manuel movie podcast, uh, this is a movie. First of all, I'm going to head and going to go ahead and go out on a limb. This was not on your list. I'm assuming this is not your number one movie as well. <laughs> it's not. No. Okay. Yeah. A guy can hope a guy can dream. <laughs> But uh, I've mentioned many a time what a huge Bo Burnham guy I am. I guess I should actually get into the uh, the numbers and specifics of this movie. So, Eighth Grade, as mentioned, was written and directed uh, by a first-time director, Bo Burnham. Starred a first-time lead actress, Elsie Fisher. The only other acting work she'd done uh, was she voiced Agnes in Despicable Me, the girl who says, It's so fluffy! That, yeah, that's her. That's the only other acting work she had done as far as I could uh, scrounge up currently sitting at a 90 on metacritic which i completely am in favor for big fan of that um yeah what else can you say other than that this movie spoke to me i'm not going to get too in depth into it because we actually already have done a full episode on eighth grade manny i don't know if you have the episode number handy i don't i'll look it up while you continue to rent i'm not opposed to shameless self-promotion so we'll get that episode number for you but uh I'm really upset that this movie didn't get the recognition it deserves. Uh, it got one Golden Globe nomination. Uh, I can't remember. Oh, yeah, that was uh, that was Elsie Fisher for uh, Best Lead Actress. Hooray! Elsie um, Fisher is the uh, lead who plays Kayla in this movie. Um, in my mind, she gives one of the best debuts I can remember. Again, it is a true debut, essentially. Um, she plays the awkward girl so well. She's just struggling to fit in. And this, again, as we've touched upon a couple of times, the reason, the specific reasons why this is my favorite movie are still kind of a mystery to me, to be honest. It's just a movie that speaks to me. Uh, It's a movie that I can completely empathize with Elsie Fisher's uh, predicaments, her trying to fit in at school. We see a lot of things that are... uh, I guess relatable like you flash back to your middle school slash high school days and you remember the awkward birthday parties and you remember uh having your first crush and being completely unaware of how to even deal with those emotions um yeah i I, i'm gonna ramble and ramble and ramble uh manny i had asked you to get some information i guess yeah it's episode 37 episode 37 on eighth grade uh a classic episode of the Samuel Emanuel movie podcast that you can go back and listen to right after you're done listening to my first movie and Manny's first movie. So I won't get too in-depth into it other than saying, um, I, I can't, I'm trying to remember what awards show it was or what awards banquet it was. I think it was the Writers Guild of America. Uh, this was nominated for, I think, Best Original Screenplay. If I'm Again, I'll have to get the exact, uh, the exact accolade. But uh, this movie notably was snubbed from that category in the Oscars. It was not nominated for Best Original Screenplay, which really irked me. Um, However, Bo Burnham won, again, if I'm getting this information right, and I think I am, he won the Writers Guild of America uh, Award for Best Original Screenplay. Um, Manny, I guess you're getting on that right now, correct? I am, yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. yeah. He sure did. Yeah, so... 
again, I've mentioned I'm a huge fan of Bo Burnham's stand-up and his uh, YouTube stuff. He's a musical comic. Uh, if you haven't checked out his stuff, he has a couple specials on Netflix and on YouTube. They're really good. But when he got up on stage for his acceptance speech, uh, again, he had been snubbed from the Oscars. He wasn't even nominated for this award for the Oscars. He gets up on stage and says, have fun at the Oscars, losers, <laughs> to the rest <laughs> of the people in his category. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm completely in love with that man. I'm completely in love with Elsie Fisher. I'm completely in love with this movie. If you haven't seen it, go watch it, uh, and then go listen to episode 37 of our podcast because we talk about it in depth there. Yeah. <laughs> I won't follow up too much with it since we did dedicate a whole episode to this. Um, this movie is spectacular. This, again, was very close to making my list but just didn't quite make it. This movie is definitely worth a watch. I I absolutely loved it. Looking at the IMDb tags, it's a comedy drama. Uh, they should add horror to this. Yeah. Um, this was a, a a cringe a cringy movie. It was an absolute joy to watch. What a fantastic debut for Bo Burnham. Uh, he's again somebody that I'm going to be watching, and I'm really hoping that Elsie Fisher can turn this performance into a, a really good career because she was an absolute standout. Uh, Bo Burnham's script being snubbed um, is an absolute disgrace, and I really wish that Elsie Fisher had also gotten a nomination. If you want to hear our more in-depth thoughts on this fantastic film, please go back and listen to episode number 37 as we break it down uh, in depth and in detail. So I, I won't I don't want to repeat the things that we talked about back then. Yeah, the only note I'll touch on with you saying how cringeworthy it is, it entirely is. It's the, it's the cringiest, most horrifying movie I've ever seen in my life about, uh, about a coming-of-age story. Uh, I'm just reading a review on Wikipedia right now. The Missoula Independence Molly Lake uh, Lake, like, I don't know, uh, compared the realism to, quote, being drilled at the dentist. So <laughs> yeah, if that's not a positive review, I don't know what is. So, yes, my favorite movie of 2018 was eighth grade. Very little surprise to anyone who's talked to me about movies at all this year, especially uh, Mr. Manny Manuel, who will now give us his top movie of 2018, of which I really don't think I have any idea of what it is, actually. No, you you do kind of. Okay. Um, my number one, um, was hard to choose. Um, for the longest time, I honestly thought it was going to be a star is born. And then I went and saw this movie. And as I was thinking about what movie was going to be number one this year, I went with my gut. And so my number one movie of 2018 is Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, I uh, that that was not on my list, but I'm intrigued to hear. Yes. This, as for those of you, a little peek behind the curtain, uh, Sam and I were talking on the phone today, and he was kind of asking or letting me know he was going to be watching a couple movies, and he asked or ins insinuated at a couple that he was thinking of trying to knock off before we began our recording. And he mentioned this one. And my initial reaction was for him to watch it so he could understand why I was... At that point, I knew it was already going to be my number one. But I asked him the question, did you read comics as a child? To which he replied, no. So at that point, I knew that he wouldn't quite understand why this is my number one. Because this is literally watching a comic book come to life. 
the joy I got in the theater from watching this is something that I dream of every time I walk into a movie theater. It had been forever since I had been this happy. As much as I love the MCU, as much as I love Nolan's Batman films, as as much as I love watching the superhero movies, nothing has come close to actually representing a comic book on screen as Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. This movie was an absolute joy to watch. And as I've started talking about it, I didn't even get into the stats. It's directed by Bob Pereschetti and Peter Ramsey. It was written by Phil Lord. For those of you that recognize that name, he's the person, half of the team responsible for the Lego movie, for 21 Jump Street, and those kind of things. The man is a genius. And has an 87 Metascore, the plot, teen Miles Morales becomes Spider-Man of his reality, crossing his past with five counterparts from other dimensions to stop a threat for all realities. The voice work in this film was spectacular. Especially, I want to shout out Jack Johnson as Spider-Man. As the movie tells you, there are multiple Spider-Man. That's what the whole movie's about. It's about this Spider-Man meeting other Spider-Man from other dimensions and they team up together to stop this one threat. This movie, the animation in this movie is unlike anything you've ever seen in your entire life. The little touches that this movie does to recreate comic books is spectacular. For those of you that used to read comic books, you will know of those little dotting techniques that they used to use on printers. You could see these tiny little dots. You see these tiny little dots at times on the screen. It's literally like watching a comic book come to life. This movie touched me in ways I never thought possible. And we're not even talking about it in a sexual way. Hey, Yeah. This movie <laughs> was such a joy to watch. And I went with two of my best friends. Shout out to T-Bone and Kyle. Um, and I know that they had as I know that they had a really great time and enjoyed this movie, but I know that it didn't touch them on the same level that it did with me because of my affinity for this for for comic books and that medium. There's so many I I cannot wait to rewatch this movie. I tried my hardest to find time to go see it in the theater again because I wanted to see this movie multiple times. The moment this movie is available on Blu-ray or 4K Blu-ray, humble brag. Um, I'm going to be watching this movie again and again and again because I want to see all the little things that I got to miss in the background. There are so many fun little moments, and I'm going to spoil a moment here. I don't care because it's so much fun. They break into this lab to steal this thing as part of their plot. And prior to them doing it, the Jack Johnson Spider-Man, and for those of you who don't know Jack Johnson, Jack Johnson's one of the characters on uh, The New Girl. Um, uh, I see I see Jake Johnson. Jake Johnson, cast. my apologies, thank you. Jake Johnson, he is so fucking amazing in this movie. And he lays out the whole plan on how they're going to do it. And he tells them, we're going to, after we do this, we're going to escape through the cafeteria, don't forget to grab a bagel. And you think it's funny. And they do the whole plan. It all works out the way – well, not quite the way they think, but they still go along. And so they, when they get in the cafeteria, they're trying to escape. He's like, don't forget the bagel. And so Miles grabs the bagel, and they start – trouble ensues. And he's like, throw the bagel, throw the bagel. So Miles just tosses it over his shoulder, and there's all this action. But if you follow the bagel, it hits this bad guy, and over top of his head, it goes, bagel. It's little stupid things like this 
that just make the movie so adorable and fun. There are a multitude of things and multitude of moments in this movie that made me laugh out loud and made me giggle and reminded me of what it li- what it's like to be a child reading comics. I loved this movie, and that's why it's my number one of 2018. I just love how uh, how different our top tens are this year. Yes. Last, last year, we shared two of the same three in our top three, and probably would have shared all three if I had seen Blade Runner 2049 in time. Uh, this year, we have a pretty big difference of opinion, it looks like. Maybe not difference of opinion, but just, uh, you know, difference of uh, preference. And yes. I'm so happy that this sort of movie is making your, uh, your number one spot, because this is a movie, another one I'm really sad to have missed, even though I uh, didn't have the same comic book upbringing that you did. But I, I just love that this movie uh, being animated is getting the recognition that it deserves. It's nominated for Best Animated Feature at the Oscars. It won that category at the Golden Globes over Pixar. Pixar, which does not happen. Pixar does not lose uh, Best Animated Feature outside of, I think, 2001. Uh, it, it lost to Shrek, and 2006 it lost to, uh, I want to say Happy Feet. We discussed this in a previous episode. Yes. That's the only reason I know it's, this. It's going to lose this year. If this, movie doesn't, yeah. if this movie doesn't win, it will be a fucking travesty, I yeah. swear to God. Yeah, so we're calling it on air now. Incredibles 2 is losing Best Animated Feature uh, for only the third time in Pixar's history to uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I love this. You're hearing it here first. Um, but yeah, I'm, I can't really add all that much other than what I'm only looking at on Wikipedia. The voice cast in this movie is nuts. Oh, it's we insane. Have, we have our old friend uh, Mahershala. We have uh, Haley Steinfeld, who I uh, who I actually enjoyed in another movie this year, Bumblebee, which did not make my top ten. Uh, we God. have Jake Johnson, like you said. We have John Mulaney, who's a hilarious comic, if you haven't seen him. We have uh, some up-and-coming actor named Nicolas Cage, if you know who that is. Um, only been in a couple movies here and there. Uh, we have Liv Schreiber, Chris Pine. Fuck, I need to see this movie. I, uh, I, as you were talking, actually, I wasn't even listening to you. I was looking up uh, Showtime in Calgary. <laughs> I, uh, I really wanna, I really wanna see this movie because, uh, yeah, I, I know it's getting crazy reviews uh, by both comic book fans and non-comic book fans alike. Awesome. So that wraps up our top ten of 2018. We have a couple other things that we'd like to talk about. Sam, you had some honorable mentions you'd like to say. Yeah, so a couple, uh, couple of honorable mentions here. A few of them were already mentioned. Uh, you talked about Black Klansman. Uh, that was uh, unable to crack my top ten, but definitely an honorable mention for that one. Uh, very good movie. Incredibles 2, uh, we talked about as well. Didn't quite cr- crack my top ten, but very good. Uh, Bird Box, we touched on briefly. Um, the more I think about it, I- I'm not totally sure it should even be an honorable mention. I think the more I think about it, the more, the less I enjoy it, but nonetheless, I, I still enjoyed it a decent amount. So, for the time being, an honorable mention it is. Um, I just talked about uh, Bumblebee. Much to your chagrin, I actually enjoyed this movie much better. I, I think I like it better than the other. What is it? Five Transformers movies combined. Uh, it's just a crazy step up for that franchise. So kudos to Michael Bay for realizing that he actually shouldn't direct these movies because, uh, you know, they're not good. <laughs> and then uh, last movie I wanted to touch on was Deadpool 2. Uh, Deadpool 2 uh, was an enjoyable movie that was kind of a rehash of the first one. Uh, kind of went to a lot of the same places, but nonetheless, I enjoyed it. Nice. Yeah. Uh, my honorable mentions, um, Annihilation, which was on your list. Yes. Um, eighth Grade on your list. A Quiet Place on your list. Uh, other ones I have, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Black Panther, Sicario 2, Day of the Soldado, 
Crazy Rich Asians, uh, Creed Two, and the Netflix movie Set It Up, uh, a romantic oh. comedy that was incredibly surprising. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. Yep. Um, those were my honorable mentions. For we have a couple. Um, oh, before we move on, my surprise for you. Uh, I made oh. a couple. I made a couple predictions, um, and I have three of them. And well, my my prediction of your prediction. One of them is going to be what my number one is because that was no surprise. Yes, that's number <laughs> one. My prediction number one for Sam. Uh, eighth grade is your number one. Eighth yep. grade is your number. I, one. I can see it on the list there. Yeah, right. no, that is correct. My second prediction: Annihilation is in your top three. Whoa! I'm, I'm very surprised that you got that one, actually. Well done. Well and, done. And my number third, my third prediction, it didn't come true. But uh, two for three. you've seen less than half that were on my list. You actually oh, okay. have seen six of my top ten. <laughs> Suck it, Manny. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, think, I think I put a decent chunk, uh, put a decent dent in that list, though, in the last couple of days. I think I've watched like four or five movies in the last two days. So, uh, and I'll be watching a few more tomorrow in anticipation of the Oscars. So, yeah. Awesome. Um, we have a little treat uh, for our listeners. Um, and then I have a, a little treat for our listeners and for you, Sam. But the first treat that Sam and I are going to share, uh, we're going to start doing this every year. Uh, we have two things. Sam and I are going to reveal our most anticipated movie of the coming year of 2019. And then we're going to try and guess what we think our favorite movie of 2019 is. So when we come back and do this next year, we're going to look back and see if we got it right. So, Sam, what's your most anticipated movie of 2019? Well, as we talked about with uh, Avengers Infinity War, that franchise is just doing some crazy, crazy things. Uh, I cannot fucking wait for Endgame. I am so excited for Endgame. I can barely contain myself. Uh, yeah, so that's my most anticipated movie. Manny, yours. That is the, it, it's the exact same for me. I, of course, am very looking forward to Avengers Endgame. I am also proud to say, if I haven't mentioned it on air, that I have stopped watching trailers. I have not seen any trailers for Endgame. Uh, I'm excited uh, to try and continue that streak. It's going to be very hard. Um, but I'm enjoying the fact that I have not seen one frame of footage from uh, Avengers Endgame. I'm actually I'm jealous of that. That being said, the trailer for Endgame is fucking awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think it spoils anything too big. Uh, but I again, I kind of want to try to imitate that. I, I'm going to try to get away from trailers much like yourself. Uh, all right. So, Sam, looking into your crystal ball. What do you predict is going to be your favorite movie of 2019? I don't want to be boring and say, again, it's going to be Endgame. I'd say there's a very non-zero chance of that happening. Um, I'm trying to scroll through a bunch of movies just to give a somewhat different answer real quick. Um, one that could probably upset it. I, I really hope Toy Story 4 is good. I really hope it's good because Toy Story 3 ended things on such a perfect note that reopening this franchise is terrifying to me. It had such a perfect conclusion. This movie has no reason to exist. So I'm optimistic for Toy Story 4 to be my favorite movie this year. I have no idea if that's going to be the case. Another maybe Dark Horse candidate. I think Spider-Man Far From Home is going to be awesome too. Nice. <clears throat> well, mine is a different answer than yours. Okay, awesome. Mine is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the new Quentin Tarantino movie. 
Ah, <gasps> oh, shit. Can I change my answer? <laughs> <laughs> nope. You're locked yeah. in. For, you're locked in for Toy Story 4. All right. I'm locked in for Toy Story 4. Locked in for Toy Story 4. Um, so those are um, – I'm going to save those. We're going to revisit those, uh, those answers we have uh, uh, next year when we do our top movies of 2019. And now for Sam and for our listeners, I have a little treat. <gasps> I reached out to our past guests, Adam, Mike, and Rachel, and they provided their top 10 of 2018 for us. Oh, my goodness. That being said, Michael Chardulo dropped the ball and didn't give me his list because he didn't get to watch all the movies in time. So, yeah, I'm throwing him under the bus. I did promise him that if he does get a list in that I will read it on air, but he does not get to be a part of this episode because he shit the bed and didn't do what we asked him to do. I think you're entirely correct to be calling him out on this. Yes. I'm so, in full support. And and to make him feel even worse? Yes, let's do that. Okay. To <laughs> let you know the dedication that our guests have, um, I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pump up the tires of both of them. Adam, the moment I sent him the text, started working on it, and if I'm not mistaken, he had his list to me within less than like three or four days. Wow. It's, uh, it's good to know who the real fans of the podcast are, I guess. Yes. And Rachel... Rachel was on vacation, if I'm not mistaken, in Cuba, and she watched movies while in Cuba, and then because the original deadline I gave her was actually a week from today, she powered through a number of films so she could get this list as accurate as possible and got the list done and finished perfectly by last night around, I'd say around 10 o'clock. Kudos to uh, to our former guests, two yes. of them anyway. So, Mike, go fuck yourself. But let's. <laughs> and we haven't driven that point no more. <laughs> <laughs> he's never gonna want to come back. Good, good. Back. I hope not. If he's not gonna take this seriously, I don't want him on our show. <laughs> Please come back, shards. We need listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I really do. Uh, I, I am throwing him under the bus because Mike is one of my closest friends, and I love him dearly. Um, and, I, and I'm just an asshole. Yes, and you're just an asshole. Yeah. So, uh, without any further delay, I give you uh, the top ten list of our guests. Uh, I'll start with Adam, since he was the first to give it in. Adam's number ten, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Mm, bad start. <laughs> <laughs> His number nine film, Halloween. Okay. Number, number eight, Solo, A Star Wars Story. <laughs> All, right. All right, okay. <laughs> I wish our listeners could see your face. Priceless. Number seven, Deadpool 2. Number six, Aquaman. All right. Num- number five, A Star is Born. Number four, Eighth Grade. Okay, we're picking up steam here. Number three, Creed 2. All right. Number two, Ready Player One. And Adam's favorite movie of 2018, Bohemian Rhapsody. Wow. How'd you feel about that when you got that text? I wanted to reach through the phone <laughs> and punch him in the face. Uh, I mean, hey, I, I definitely can't uh, disagree with too much on there. Uh, I can definitely see the appeal of Bohemian Rhapsody at number one. Definitely wouldn't fault anyone for that. Uh, 
I didn't see the new Jurassic World, so I can't actually comment on it in depth. That being said, the reviews for it were worse than the previous Jurassic World, which I thought was a steaming turd in and of itself, so I can't say that's one I uh, had any desire to go out and see. But, uh, yeah, overall, I think that's a pretty solid, pretty diverse list, if I do say so. Yes. So, yeah, I uh, definitely can respect the shit out of that, someone who has uh, diverse tastes in movies. All right. So we'll move on to Rachel's top ten. Rachel's number ten, Roma. Okay. Rachel's number nine, Incredibles 2. Mm-hmm. Same place I had it. Rachel's number eight, Widows. Nice. Okay, we're liking this less so far. Number seven, Black Panther. Which actually was omitted from both of our lists. I think I forgot to mention that in honorable mentions, but it should have been in there for me. Yeah. Uh, and for both of us, I guess. Number six, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Ah, makes two appearances. Maybe I'm the odd man out. Number five, Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay. Number four, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. No complaints about that from you. Number three... Black Klansman. All right, respect. Number two, Green Book. Yes, all right. And Rachel's number one movie of 2018, A Star is Born. Wow, number one, eh? Yeah. Big day for A Star is Born, taking home all the hardware here. Yep. <laughs> Except it was only my number 10, but that, still. That's so true. <laughs> um, yeah, so I really, again, I do appreciate Adam and Rachel uh, getting the list in. Uh, I know that Mike actually, he did message me today. He really wanted to get a list in, but he didn't get the movies uh, watched that he wanted. So I, But I did promise him, and I will fulfill that promise. If he does give me a list, I will read it on a future episode. Um, yeah. For other, all you other listeners out there, um, if you guys submit a top ten, uh, and email it to us, uh, tweet it to us, uh, send it to us on Instagram. I will read them on air and give you guys credit. I would love to hear your guys. You don't even have to do top ten if you just want to let us know what your favorite movie of 2018 is. I'd love to hear what it is. There, there is also a non-zero chance of us making fun of you on air, so keep that in mind. But... Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Especially if you, if you give us a top ten, we will uh, critique it and poke fun at it. Um, we'll, we'll be gentle. We're always gentle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that wraps up the top movies of 2018. Sam, what's going on next week? So next week, Manny, if I'm not mistaken, I don't have my calendar handy, but I believe we're going to be doing, uh, well, let's put it this way. We have the Oscars this weekend upcoming. So we're recording this on, uh, the 21st of February, 2019. Uh, actually it's currently past midnight where I am in Calgary. So the 22nd, uh, and this, uh, this Sunday, the Oscars are coming up. But uh, that's only the second most important award show that's uh, happening this award season. I don't know if you're aware, dear listener, but uh, the Samuel and Manuel Movie Podcast have their own awards, which will be having their second annual edition next week. That's right. It's time for the second annual Sampas, hosted by uh, Samuel and Manuel. Uh, it's going to be a good one. We're going to have our own categories, some of which are returning from last year, some of which are going to be brand new categories. We're going to have nominations. We're going to have a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a whole thing. I don't know, Manny, if we have any celebrity appearances uh, planned out for that. I'm going to go ahead and say that uh, some some of the 
actors and actresses that we have nominations for won't be able to make it, unfortunately, uh, on account of us having no money to bring them in uh, or no listenership. But uh, nonetheless, we're going to be having a good time, just you and me, talking about uh, some some pretty wacky categories. Do we preview the categories that are going to happen next week? Are we gonna Are we gonna say those on air? Sure, why not? I can do that. Yeah, sure. Uh, do you have them handy? I do. Um, so next week we are going to be uh, discussing and revealing who Sam and I think was our best male performance, and we've just broken it down to male performance. There's no lead, no supporting, just performance. So best male performance, best female performance, best action scene, best villain, and best and worst film of the year. We have a couple, two new categories um, that will require a little bit of uh, an explanation. Um, so I'm going to leave them as a surprise for next week. Ooh, anticipation. You know how to build it. Yeah. <laughs> so as a reminder, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, if you will give us a five-star rating and a positive review, it will help increase our exposure and allow more people to find us. You can find us on Spotify and Google Podcasts. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sam underscore Manny underscore movie. And like and follow us on Facebook. You can contact us through email at sammannymoviepodcast at gmail.com. So, for the Samuel Emanuel Movie Podcast, I'm Manny Manuel. Perfectly balanced, as all things should be. I'm Sam Reimer. Adios.